It is Free Talk Live on this Wednesday night edition, brought to you live from here in Keene, New Hampshire. With you in the studio tonight, it is Aria. Was not there. Oh, what? you turned down way low. Go ahead. Was not there. And Nikki. And no matter how many times I do this, I end up feeling like unprepared as the show begins. You know, there, there's so much to do prior to the startup of the show, and it becomes a bit reflexive after a while. And it's just, it's just curious how you you do these things automatically. And then, like, just a few minutes ago, I was running down the quick checklist, like, the show's going live, like, we're going on right now. Did I do everything? And it's just, I did it all reflexively without giving any thought to it whatsoever. Humans are fascinating creatures. Yes. And there's a lot of stuff like that. It, it 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 fascinates me how a human being can just do stuff and have no memory whatsoever of doing it. I think that driving, because I, I drive a lot for both of my jobs, and sometimes you'll just be driving home after work, and it's like, I don't even remember. It's like, I'm already in Keene. Right. Yep. Like, uh, that that does, just doesn't seem safe that you just zone out, <laughs> but I'm sure if somebody was about to crash into me, I'd move my car. Yeah, so, yeah uh, so that's the thing. Those uh, those sorts of processes are all based on as long as you get what you're expecting, then it leaves you alone. Yeah. But as soon as something weird happens, it says, okay, I need all your attention right now. Yeah. Now, what's wacky about that, though, is you also have another process to screw that process up. So, like, you take the same route home from work every day. So it's just a, a, a script, if you will. Yeah. And, and it's just like A follows B follows C, and you don't think about it. But you also have a part of you that will make you screw up because you will just naturally seek an amount of novelty. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm just going to take this incorrect road today. Yep. What? So- Might be something neat at the end of mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so despite being a, a religious person by nature, I'm not... Despite being a spiritual person by nature, I'm not superstitious, I guess, is the way I'm looking for. And there's been a few things happening lately that sort of make me curious about that or reevaluate that, I suppose. Like my sentencing, as we talked about last week, it was pushed back. Uh, It was finally officially pushed back a few days after Wednesday of last week. I don't remember exactly what day, but it was pushed back to March the 14th of 2023, which, of course, is Pi Day. 3.14, yes. And being as I have a tattoo of pie on the back of my head, I can't help but find some level of significance in that, right? Right. And Well, beware the Ides of March, I guess. There's also that reality of, curiously, the Ides of March, uh, the March the 15th day, uh, that stands out in my memory as the day where Shemel versus Nazi happened here Mm. on LRN.FM. So certainly a bit of significance around those days, but March the 14th, of course, is Pi Day, as we all know it, and that's going to be the day of my sentencing for whatever that's worth, and I've always been a big advocate of Pi, but... Yeah, I feel good about that. Yeah. That seems like a good sign to me. That was was how I felt about it, and Leah, a peakless mountaineer, is here with us, of course, tonight, and that's unusual for a Wednesday night. I actually messaged you last night uh, for a variety of reasons, but... It was largely due to anxiety, strangely enough. I've been having pretty severe anxiety issues for the last two-ish months, maybe three months. And normally, my solution for anxiety and depression and things like that would be to just take some shrooms. But Mm. one, 
I'm under, you know, federal pre-release conditions right now. So taking shrooms is not an option. I have no desire to go to jail for violating my bail conditions by yeah, not taking worth shrooms. It. No. Even if it would be for medicinal purposes, which it would be, it, it's yeah, not worth it to me. And I You're know- not allowed to choose your own medicine. What, what do you think this is? Some kind of free country? They certainly would not like for me to. But I also tend to think that you know, they probably have bigger fish to fry than little Aria doing shrooms for her anxiety. But it, it's not worth it to me to even evaluate. Plus... I know my brain physiology, my brain chemistry well enough to know that whatever's going on with me right now, it's fundamentally different Hmm. from the types of anxiety that I've dealt with in the past that I took shrooms in order to deal with this. What's going on right now, it's unusual. I've never experienced it before, and I don't know how to address it. Well, do you think it's because of an outside factor rather than an inside factor, if you know what I mean? Like, I'm assuming it's because of the sentencing coming up in a few months. Well, that certainly didn't help. The I recall it escalated uh, sort of toward the end of November, mm-hmm. and it only got worse as Ian's trial began. And my sleep issues just escalated to the point where I was sleeping like an hour or two, three hours a night. And they never really... It did go away at the end of the trial. There was like an, a week-long period where my sleep sort of went back to normal, but it was not very restful sleep. Like I would sleep a full eight hours. But I would wake up not feeling rested at yeah, all. Yeah, you weren't getting into that deep REM sleep, right. probably. So that that was about when the anxiety really started. And I suspect the sentencing plays a major role in it. Right. I do have this major life-changing thing hanging over my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, an actual sort of Damocles. For the, I love referring to it as that. For those who are f- unfamiliar with the Greek mythology, he was someone who made Zeus angry, as people tended to do in Greek mythology. And the punishment for this was that he was tied to a rock under a tree with a sword hanging over him. And at any moment, the sword could fall and end his life. Oh, I thought he was this like really arrogant king that was so sure of himself that he uh, himself suspended a sword by just a string above his own throne. It could have been that as well. I could be mixing up. Well, know, also sometimes stories. within Greek mythology, there's two versions of story, uh, or multiple versions of stories, rather. True. So, yeah, it's different why it's translations. A, that's why it's a nightmare trying to find out. Oh, well, wait, what is the lineage? Whose father is? Oh, well, so that's listed as this here, this here, this yeah. here, and specifically doesn't have one over here. So most recently, uh, that would be yes. Actually, not most recently because I've ended up with three different anxiety attacks today, which is. Way out of uh, the seasonal average for me. But yesterday, I was having an anxiety attack in regard to Free Talk Live. I was like, people hate doing this show with me. I'm a terrible host. You know, just one of those sorts of self-criticism sort of things. Whether it's based on fact or not, it's irrelevant when you're having one of these anxiety attacks. And I realized that that it was nonsense, right? But Mm -hmm. rationality doesn't necessarily matter when you're having an anxiety attack. Right. It doesn't matter that I know plenty of people would want to do the show with me, obviously, but it didn't matter. But I did ultimately beat back the anxiety and I started evaluating things from a rational standpoint. I was like, well, you know, it's true that there have it has been a long time since I was on the show with a lot of people like it. The last time I was on the show with the captain was at Forkfest and the last time I was on with Peakless was also at Forkfest and so on. And it's it's good to mix these things up every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Not just for the listener, but because Peakless and I will have very different conversations than like the captain and I will have or that Mm -hmm. Bonnie and I will have or that Nikki and I will have. 
And as we have a wide range of co-hosts, and mixing and matching them is a fun way of mixing things up. So I ended up texting you, and like I said, it was largely a result of all of this anxiety because that was what made me realize that I hadn't done a show with you in forever, that I had this anxiety attack. I was like, no one wants to be on the show with me. This is largely because it would appear as though we have lost, to some degree, Conan, who was on the show with us on Tuesdays. And oh, dang. Yeah, he won't respond to me, so I don't know. The Woods finally has him, huh? I'm sorry? The Woods finally has him, huh? Well, I don't know. He's, he has finally left the grid entirely. It's No, it's not that. It has something to do with... The last show he was on with us was the Drag Queen episode, mm. which ended up... Clips of it went up on TikTok, and it, it was a very entertaining episode. It was a lot of fun, but... Uh, after that, uh, Conan went off to do his uh, seasonal thing where he's very busy. I mean, he works at the post office and, you know, that was Christmas time. So he's very busy. And he was supposed to write me a character reference for the judge, right? I mean, being a former military vet, I mean, being a military veteran and a postal worker, that sort of thing. It's nice for a judge to see. Judges love men in uniform. Right. So I followed up with that and he ended up saying that, you know, no, he won't write me a character reference, which was... Different from what he has said a month and a half before, where he was like, yeah, absolutely, I'll do this. I'd love to do it. Anything mm. I can do to help. So that clued me in that something had changed between when I had asked him initially and he agreed to do it. And when I asked him, you know, when I was like, hey, man, the deadline's here. You know, my attorney needs these letters. Have you made any progress with it? And he was like, no, I, I won't write you one or I can't provide a good character reference or however he said it. So I checked, and sure enough, he had unfriended me on Facebook. I was like, well, this is, oh, okay. yeah, this is curious, right? We've been friends for a little over four years since I moved to New Hampshire, more or less, and there's never been any sort of bad blood or hostility or anything. So I messaged him as understood, but can I ask why? And presumably he hit ignore at that point, and he hasn't responded to me. Uh, I do know that he was asked recently if he was going to return to the show or if he was, you know, if that seasonal period of being busy had calmed down and he could return and the response was yes, but I won't be on the show with you and Aria anymore. So I, d- I don't know what that means and I'm not getting a response from him, but when something like that happens, it, it hurts yeah. to, to lose a friend, especially without explanation. One that I've been friends with for several years and I can only think it's related to the drag queen episode. I, that's how it would appear based on the timeline. Hmm. Yeah, but there was nothing. Yeah, if, if you haven't heard from him at all since that episode, that stands to reason. Well, other than the message that I sent him saying, hey, you know, what's up with the letter that you said you would write? It's that time. And his response was, well, I'm, I'm not writing you a good character reference. But to me, that's man. How much did I upset you yeah. that you're not willing to tell a judge that I shouldn't go to prison? Right. So I rewatched the episode and I just didn't find anything in it that was particularly bad there was a lot of laughter but it wasn't laughing at him it was laughing because of what he was saying and and you know what things like that scenes like that happen on this show all the time yeah and it's just funny and i i don't think it should be something that's taken to heart you know what i mean but it's but it's not really something that was it's not like you guys were laughing at him or posting the video on TikTok to make fun of him. It was just, hey, we had this really good clip on the show. It was hilarious. People loved it. So we're going to promote it on our TikTok. And it was tremendously successful. 
Yeah, no, people loved it. And and you know, it caused a discussion on TikTok. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with these different social media platforms. So I don't know if that's what was taken offense to, or was it the conversation itself? It's been a long time since I heard that episode, but I, I do know that in general, you do express a sort of ownership over the topic. I mean, like, well, I'm uh, trans. Oh, okay. That doesn't mean you know everything about the topic. That doesn't mean you're right about everything that's related to the topic. Well, I haven't. No, I've admitted repeatedly that I've never even been to a drag show. But hmm. the in the issue, in, so I I have been to a drag show, right? And I got to tell you, they are darn sexual. Now, well, some of them certainly. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, and, and this is part of a greater problem, I think, that like, so uh, as I understand it, the whole point of a, a drag show, uh, and I've never seen the other side of this, but it's it's always been the like men uh, appearing to be women, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the whole point of this is to uh, overemphasize feminine characteristics, like right. dress not just regular female feminine, but like hyper female feminine. It's so a like, caricature, so sort like of thing. not just a not just a little bit bit of heels, but like huge heels. Not just some makeup, but like a lot of makeup. Right. Like so, the whole thing now. The greater problem here, and this is a real greater problem, especially with uh, women being uh, fully represented in the workforce, is that most of our looking good as a woman has been oriented around the emphasis of sexual characteristics. Sure. But back to the issue at hand, none of that really had to do with... Oh, no, no, no. I, I think that's central to this thing is because like this overemphasis of feminine characteristics is an overemphasis on sexual characteristics. So when you have a an overemphasis on sexual characteristics, that's not a place for children. But that's not necessarily... I don't know. I've, I think there is, you know, a big spectrum of drag. You know, I've seen some drag, you know, and like you said, sometimes they overemphasize the feminine characteristics and the sexual characteristics. So they'll have big boobs and wide fake hips, but that's not always the case. I've seen some drag queens where they'll kind of have, you know, some of that toned down a little bit. And like I said, they're fake. So you can switch the size on whatever Mm -hmm. prosthetic body parts they're using. So I have seen kind of a spectrum of it. I mean, I shared the story last week, I think it was, where when I was five years old or something around there, my my uncle's husband does drag and a lot of his friends do drag in New York City. So I was, you know, a child at a family party dancing around with these drag queens. I didn't know the difference, but it didn't scar me for life. It, my My parents didn't think it was inappropriate. Even my father, who was kind of critical of things like this. It was kind of just like, oh, whatever, they're having fun. So I don't necessarily think that it's scarring for children. And I do think there's a spectrum of drag. Certainly, but some idea- of it definitely is inappropriate for children and some of it isn't. Obviously, I mean, some movies are inappropriate for children, but that doesn't mean that all movies are inappropriate for yeah. children. But I would certainly say that feminization and exaggerating feminine characteristics is is not sexualized, right? If, if it's sexual, it's just because humans are innately sexual creatures. But yeah. to suggest that dressing, mm, well, wearing no, no, no. a wig, hold or on, well, let on, me finish on. the statement, to suggest that over-embellishing over one's makeup or eyeshadow or whatever is inherently sexual yes, is... Yes, it absolutely is. Okay. I don't think so, I agree that's with misogynistic that. okay, so, as hell. No. Okay. <laughs> so blush. Why do you think there's blush? Because Why does that it, exist? 
Because blood rushes to women's cheeks. When they are excited. Yes. Right. The whole Excitement thing. comes in many forms. Right. Not but merely the, sexual. Right. But the reason that blush exists, the reason that is attractive, the reason that blush is attractive, the reason that red lips are attractive, this is all symbols of sexual excitation. I understand that. I, I do understand okay. that. Okay. Um, but this the, is like, the darkening but, around the eyes. But if is, you're making uh, that case, then you're saying that a woman walking down the street in, in makeup is inappropriate for children. Is that the case you're making? Because that's no more sexualized than a drag queen yeah. in and of itself. It's like makeup is sexualized. At that point, you're saying that women shouldn't be allowed around children. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But I, I do think that we need to figure out a way to have a woman look nice without being sexually attractive. And I don't know how we're going to get there because we've figured out how to make men look nice without being sexually attractive. I mean, attractive. but does it matter? Not at all. Hmm? Not at all. I, I think they're one of the same. Really? Yeah. So, like, uh, I'm. How does a how does a guy in a tux, for example, like how does that attract sexually? Like, what secondary characteristic, uh, sexual characteristic, does that uh, embellish? Like, what about that appeals to the sex instinct? I I don't know. I'm not a biologist. I can't answer that question. But does the same reason that women like a guy in a tuxedo is the same reason that men like a woman you know with a nice butt well no so and that's one of the one of the unfortunate uh unavoidable inequities so what a man brings to the table is his ability to biologically speaking his ability to protect and to provide so run stab something with meat and drag it back here and also stab the things that might eat your kids like that's that's the performance there. That's what they bring to the table. What they don't bring to the table is to be a portal for human life. We're just not able to do that. I I understand, but to get back to the subject of the drag show episode, it was mostly, especially the clip in question, it was mostly just laughter. I said almost nothing through the entire thing. I mostly just laughed. Ian was the one making comments. Which was what I found the offense so curious about this because there was nothing that was said there. In yeah, one you particular... seemed pretty innocent in the whole. Yeah, I just sort of sat there laughing, and Ian just sort of sat there laughing. And the, in to the extent that anyone said anything, I believe it was Ian who was actually speaking. So I was curious what I had said or done that could have offended him. That, and then I thought, well, maybe it's the presence of this video, right? Maybe it was the fact that I took these clips instead of, you know, just letting them die out there on the Internet. But like if that was the case, a response of, hey, take this down. I don't approve of it. Yeah. Would have been OK, fine. Sorry. I didn't realize that it would. Upset you, right? Yeah, that that is the really sad thing to me about this is that for whatever for whatever reason, he is obviously upset. Right. And instead of dealing with this directly to you and be like, hey, this bothered me. Here's what I would like to change in the future for us to continue interacting with each other. Instead, he just completely withdraws. And I mean, sure, he's got the right to, but that doesn't make it less ugly. It also could be a completely other reason that has nothing to do with the episode. That Yeah. But, you know, so we're making a lot of assumptions here. We are, but we're, but I'm left it's hard not to do to. nothing but assume when exactly. a friend of mine for four years is like, no, I, I'm not going to make the case that you shouldn't go to prison. And no, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. So I mean, it's like, damn. All right. Well, let's back up and reevaluate the situation. And the best I have to go on is that drag episode. Yeah. Which, you know, I spent 
a lot of people in the TikTok comments, they did call him transphobic or hateful or whatever. And I went out of my way to respond to those people. And I posted a separate comment saying, look, guys, no, he, he's not transphobic at all. He's not hateful. He's not being bigoted. At worst, he's just confused on this topic. Yeah, he, he, he yeah. does. Yeah, at worst, he's ignorant. Here. You know, and it, like these things, a lot of like drag queens and trans people, and for a lot of people, that's a completely new subject for them. Yeah, like they don't get pronouns, they don't, and it's not that all of these people are being malicious when they're like, "I are you two people when you're a they?" They they just don't understand it. So. I Just real quick, the most irritating thing for me when someone's a they is that they don't use we when they talk about themselves. Come yeah. on. Let's be consistent here. Like, I, I am all for you using, like, the royal we. I'm groovy yeah. with that. I, I believe in individual sovereignty. <laughs> Great. Good for you. But you can't go around saying I and then have me call you a they. Uh, Just, it gets, that, it gets that's confusing. That's beyond the pale. That's past what my tolerance level. That's and, a fair point. And, yep. I find they them just difficult in general, right? I've I've learned that I can call anyone whatever pronouns they want. And no matter how masculine yeah, they are, I can call them she. No matter how feminine they are, yeah. I can call them he. It's not difficult for me to do. However, I struggle so much with calling someone they, them. It, it does throw me off. I've had some they, thems at work yeah. and I misgender them all. And I feel like a jerk because I'm like, it, it seems, I don't care if it's genuine or not, whatever. I'm not going to be the person to purposely misgender someone but it, sometimes it's hard not to because typically people present as male or female you know right so it's kind of if it's a trans person that has a, out, you know you know well exactly and if it's a trans person that has a beard they are clearly presenting as male it is very easy for me to even if their name in the computer is their dead name that is female it is easy for me to call this person a him but when the they is just, it gets a little confusing, but whatever. And it, on the other side of things, if you're a, a, a male trans to female, you know, cut the beard. Give me some help Yeah, here. yeah. Like, help maybe, us out, maybe man. Maybe wear a bra if I've known you for a decade. Just say it. I'm, I'm with you on that one, man. But then once you start talking about that, people accuse you of trying to, like, gatekeep uh, yeah. pronouns you're or You're transphobic. It's like, yeah, it's like, no, I'm just trying to. Those transphobic trannies. I'm trying to make all of our lives easier, myself included. So what is the best cure for anxiety that's coming up? It is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you are invited to join us, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that, the 603-283-6160, and with you in the studio tonight is Aria, Nicholas Mountaineer, and Nikki, and I did of course mention that, mention that my sentencing is coming up in just over two months, that's certainly a large part of the anxiety and just mental health issues in general that I've been facing, it's it sucks to have something like this hanging over you, and I'm not the only one with something like this hanging over me. Ian's sentencing is also coming up in a few months. I think his is April the 14th, so just a month after mine. And uh, as I mentioned, I had asked Conan to write a letter for the judge for me to give to the judge on my behalf, a character reference, that sort of thing. And Ian is asking you out there if he's impacted you, if he's affected your life, if he's helped you in some way, 
Go to letters.freetalklive.com. You'll find instructions there on what you can do, on how you can help Ian as he prepares for sentencing after being found guilty uh, last month uh, of eight total counts, I think is what it was. Yeah, I believe it was eight. Yeah, so write a letter to uh, Judge Joseph LaPlante about Ian's character. That's just what we're trying to do. Don't take the opportunity to rail against the jury or say how dumb you think the jury was. I've I've heard plenty of that. And look, I, whether you agree or disagree with the jury, I, I don't think any of them were dumb. I don't, I don't think it was stupid no. of and them. And that's not what the letter is about, you know. Right. It's certainly not going to help. If, no. If you send a letter to Ian's attorney, it's like, you know, that stupid jury should have never done this. It's going to get thrown in the trash. Exactly. Never presented to the judge. We want to know. The, uh, we, we want you to know how Ian helped you, not, not how angry you are at the jury or the federal government. What, tell us what you think of Ian and how Ian helped you. That's letters.freetalklive.com. You can find instructions there on what to do and how you can help. That's letters.freetalklive.com. On the subject of anxiety, though, because all of this, it has sucked. I, I suspect there's some PTSD involved here, right? Because I was rated a little over, well, almost two years ago. By the time I'm sentenced, it will have been almost exactly two years since I was yeah, rated by the right. federal government. And there probably is some sort, this is probably why... I can't sleep more than an hour or two without waking up. It's probably PTSD. Well, and that's been a, a longer issue, right? You know, I, I know you said it's been right. worse the past few days, but... Well, for the last two or three months, it's been substantially worse. Since, yeah. since the trial got closer and my sentencing got closer and then it got pushed back again, it's like, I understand and I agreed with my attorney about pushing back the sentencing, but mm-hmm. like, man... Yep. I that sword's still there. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. wanted to get this over with. Like, if, I yeah. don't want to go to prison. I, I swear to God, I don't want to go to prison. But if I'm going to prison, let's get it over with. Yeah. Let's let's get this clock ticking, right? Well, and that's uh, that's the purpose of anxiety. Like, uh, as much as it sucks, it it does serve a purpose. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, there are dangers in this area, so we don't want to let you, you know, relax too much because you want to be able to punch it or run away from it when the danger rears its ugly head. So you have this unknown thing, yeah. and, and that's exactly what it is. It's the unknown thing. It's like something lurking in the dark. So your buddy's like, oh, a thing lurking in the dark. I know what to do with those. Well, and that's the difference between anxiety and anxiety disorders, where the disorders is you have anxiety all the time about irrational things, but regular anxiety is that like fight or flight type of thing that's useful. So it's like, is this useful or is this not useful? And it's really unfortunate that their whole machinery is set up to cause as much anxiety as it can. I, I can't speak as to that, but I know that there's... Uh, you're right. There, there's something out there in the dark. That, this great big question mark, right? Mm-hmm. Am I going to prison? Am I going to get probation? I, I suppose at this point, after two years of being on pre-sentence pre, pre release, I, I don't remember the exact terminology, the possibility of time served is even existent. I, I suspect that won't be what happens, but two years of probation effectively is what I've been on at this yeah, point. Yeah, honestly. However, that is unlikely to count to, for anything, so it probably won't matter. But, you know, it, no, nonetheless, it is a possibility. I have a life to plan, right? I have mm-hmm. all of these things that I need to do. And Free Talk Live is a great big question mark. My other job is a great big question mark. My cats, my dogs, and none of it. I, I could have contingency plans, right? But mm. 
there's so many unknowns in every direction that it's impossible well, and, to account for. Well, and the, the Free Talk Live side of it, I think, is uh, uh, with Ian's uh, trial, I think that was another big thing your body's going, okay, well, this is a really big question mark. Something big is rustling in the bushes yeah. because, you know, if if justice has actually been served and they went, well, no, he didn't do any of those things, clearly, then we would have nothing to worry about. And so now, okay, oh, well, I still at, would. at least... At least, well, I mean, we in in the sense of uh, of Free Talk Live, it's like, okay, well, the continuity of our show is going to go uh, with the same amount of unknowns as it did before the raid, which is something that we're sort of used to. Whereas, like, him being on trial for this, okay, well, now that he's been uh, found guilty, well, at least we have this collapsed. It's not an unknown. There yeah. is definitely something here that we need to adapt to. So at least that's uh, at least you know this is a bad thing instead of it being maybe it's a bad thing, maybe not. But to that extent, you know, our options on how we can adapt to it are even further limited by the fact that six months from now I may be in prison, in which case mm-hmm. one of right. the largest factors we have that makes adapting even possible is removed from the equation. It's it's so stressful. And um, as they say, the punishment is in the process. That's certainly true. Uh, I suspect there's some actual real punishment coming, hopefully not prison, but the process itself is not good. So what can one do about anxiety? Evidently, kindness may be the best medicine for what curing. What do you say, kindness? Kindness. Oh, cool. May be the best medicine for curing depression and anxiety. But before we get into that, let's go to the phone, 603-283-6160. If you want to join us, because we do have Bad Slave on the line from here in New Hampshire. Bad Slave, you're on Free Talk Live. Well, thanks for taking my call, Aria. Yeah, what's on uh, your mind tonight? And I, uh, you know, I have to ask um, your... Uh, um, yeah? I, 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 I kind of fail to understand, I, and, and I know that, that the uh, federal courts are special places meaning you know intensely corrupt that's why why does anyone uh take a plea without the details known of the consequences well that's a that's a fair question to the extent that anything could be known uh, I was offered a, a deal back in April of this year where uh, the prosecutors would argue for 12 months in prison. And my attorney could probably get that argued down to 12 months of probation or whatever, and that they could hash that out. But th- they were always going to argue for me to be sent to prison. That, they, that was never taken off the table uh, in the way that it was with Andy and Renee or nobody. Uh, for whatever reason, they they want me to go to prison. So sometimes you just don't. Why? Because so, you're odd. I, I don't know why. You'd have to ask the prosecutors. Well, they want Ian to go to prison too. So yeah, didn't, didn't ask them. <laughs> no, I, I mean I, I have tried to minimize my contact with the prosecutors. I have a quick uh, suspicion because you're in first chair. It, it could very well be that. No, I mean, I've I've considered this from the get go 
to be primarily an attack on Free Talk Live and secondarily all of these other things, including an attack on Bitcoin. Well, when the raid first happened, I remember it was kind of like, okay, so we have two people that know how to do everything. Right. And it appears to be Arya and Ian. Mm-hmm. Regrettably, so, that, that is the case. And that's why, you know, there, there are so many questions about Free Talk Live that just can't be resolved yet. And I was hoping to have those answered, you know, in 15 more days with the mm-hmm. original sentencing being on January 26th, but it got pushed back. So to answer your question about Slave, there was never any, the, the prosecutors, the federal court system, the American government, they don't like clear, unambiguous answers. They, they like shady, unclear answers in it whenever they can get them. So they have altered the deal. Pray they do not alter it further. Well, they they told me they were going to, if I didn't take the plea deal back in April, they were going to bring further charges against me and they were going to take the deal off the table. And I was like, okay, fine, well, bring your charges because I'm not taking this deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did exactly what they said they would do. They brought more charges against me and we sort of proceeded with that for the next few months. When it came time, you, it, it was clear to me that I was going to get, and I didn't know whether or not Ian would get convicted or not, but it was clear to me that I would almost certainly get convicted for operating an unlicensed money transmitting business. If nothing else, it seemed to me, after talking with my attorney and talking with the, not talking with the prosecutor, but after talking with my attorney and having these hearings in the court, it was clear to me that I was going to get found guilty. So it didn't make any sense to go to trial on that particular issue. It would get the other charges dropped and it would reduce the sentencing to the lowest amount possible. But whether that was going to be prison or probation, that's only up to the that's up to the judge to decide and no one else. So I mean we can't ask the judge what he's going to prescribe as the punishment. But I mean as far as why anyone would take this deal, it's uh, you're you have kidnappers, okay? So your kidnappers are telling you they want you to do a thing. Now, you don't know for sure that they will treat you better if you do that thing that they tell you they want you to do, but it's a pretty good bet they'll treat you less bad than if you don't. It's a good way to put it. Was that it? Yeah, I, I'd, have to, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've been in the position of having to take a, you know, two and a half year uh, cage time and and a felony uh, for yeah. you know a political crime of of exercising my right to travel. Well, uh, well I certainly did not want commitment. to take a plea deal. I wasn't inclined to take a plea deal. I mean, there's a reason I rejected the one back in April. It's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm I, taking this to trial, and I'm not going to be persuaded to plead guilty to something that I'm not guilty of. However, as everything began to shake out, it became very, very clear that whether I felt I was breaking the law at the time I committed those actions or not was completely irrelevant. The prosecutors were defining money transmission as X, and the judge had agreed that money transmission was X. Congress had said that money transmission was X, and my argument was basically, okay, sure, but the Constitution or uh, federal or jury nullification. Those were the only two arguments I had in my favor was, okay, well, it's unconstitutional. 
because the uh, the Constitution never gave Vincent or the U.S. Treasury the right to do this in the first place, which it's it's a solid argument, but it was stricken down at the hearing uh, to dismiss counts one, two, and three in, I think that was in September, maybe it was October, I don't remember the exact timeline now. But that was the constitutional argument I attempted to, we attempted to make that it's unconstitutional. Can they even see constitutional arguments in that court? Yes. Wow. Because well, that, that's usually what uh, every single time that I have ever seen anyone, even in federal court, bring up the Constitution. They're like, oh, well, we can't see that here. Like, nope, that's a matter for the Supreme Court. We don't we don't deal with like your your uh, especially constitutional amendments and such. That's what I assumed. But. Well, we very much did. The argument was that the old Supreme Court or prior to this most recent iteration of the Supreme Court, they relied on what was called the Chevron deference, which is this idea that. If the Constitution did not explicitly forbid a government organization from doing something, then they were allowed to do it. Mm. Whereas the alternative to that, which this latest Supreme Court is doing, is called the major cases doctrine or the major questions doctrine, which is sort of the opposite. That if Congress, if the Constitution hasn't explicitly authorized them to do something, then they're not allowed to. So it's either if we tell you that... If we have not told you that you can't do it, then you can do it. Mm. That was the old way. And the new way is, if we haven't told you that you can do it, then you cannot do it. Oh, the way it was actually written into the 10th Amendment. And we saw this recently with uh, uh, one of these major cases that came up. It was the EPA versus someone. And there was another example. And my attorney brought both of these. He was like, hey, look. You know, the Supreme Court just decided that the, these things were unconstitutional because it's too broad of an area for it to be regulated like this. It's clearly unconstitutional. And the judge disagreed. He's, well, I think you're applying this, he said to my attorney, in a way that is novel and that it's not meant to be applied. So I'm not going to accept this argument. I'm going to allow these charges to proceed. I'm not going to dismiss them. And with all of those things considered, I took a plea deal. And, you know, I've had to live with that since. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the simple fact of the matter is that unlike actual contracts with human beings, they don't have to tell you what all the terms are. They just have to tell you, well, the terms will be within this range if you take this deal. It seemed to me pretty obvious that the, the law in question, which authorized money transmitting businesses it created that legal framework it seemed to me very clear that it did not apply to cryptocurrency and this was because in january of 2021 the law was amended in a way that clearly included cryptocurrency Hmm. so prior to january of 2021 ipso facto it did not include cryptocurrency if it did then it would not have been necessary for congress to add cryptocurrency to it in January of 2021. This is all logical, right? Yeah. Logic doesn't necessarily matter in the court system when it comes to the Constitution and legality and frameworks and all of this other stuff. And I thought at one point that my attorney was making bad arguments. I was like, oh, he's lost it and he's he's slipping. He's making a bad case. And then I realized, I had a moment of lucidity where I realized that, no, my attorney was making great arguments, but they were just... They were on an entirely different level where I couldn't even comprehend the arguments they were having. Mm. It was just so far beyond me. And I was like, okay, this 
I, I'm out. You know, I can't, I can't follow this argument at this point. And then my attorney and I discussed, he was like, okay, well, they're going to convict you on operating unlicensed money transmitting business unless you get a Hail Mary and the jury decides, you know, jury nullification happens, which is very unlikely. Right. I mean, it's not worth counting on at this yeah. point. So, I mean, my options were to plead guilty or to get found guilty in a federal courtroom, in which case, as we saw with Ian, they probably, yeah. I mean, the money laundering charges and the wire fraud charges, they clearly would have been dismissed prior to me going to court. But then I would have still gotten hit with the conspiracy charge. So I, I would have come off worse if mm-hmm. I had gone to trial definitively by yeah, this from, point. From where I stand, uh, so there's an old saying that you can get a, a jury to indict a ham sandwich. Yes. Uh, which because they, they used to and every now and again, they'll, they'll actually do this process for like a murder trial. But there used to be a thing where you actually had to get human beings to say, yeah, that's an actual crime. We should have a court for that. And, and it became so easy that the, the phrase was you can get a, get the uh, jury to indict a ham sandwich. And from where I stand, it's very clear that you can also get a jury to convict a ham sandwich at this point. It was actually a judge who made the statement that you can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know that part of it. Yep. I think it was a federal judge in the state of New York, actually. Yeah. But I mean, it's true. And that's the way the game is played, right? A grand jury is just a group of, I don't know, some number of people who they know if they vote to indict, they're not sending anyone to prison. It's no harm off their back. It's no. It's no consequence to them. It's not immoral for them. Except it is. Well, yes, yeah, but they, except it completely degrades our civilization. But they don't care about that. No, they or don't view they? it that way. They right? want to go home. Yeah, right. they want to go home. And the prosecutors are probably telling them, well, "Look, we're not asking you if this person's guilty. We're saying here's the evidence that Aria is operating an unlicensed money transmitting business. Should we indict Aria and take Aria to trial for operating an unlicensed money transmitting business?" And their argument is, "Well, if Aria." is not guilty then that jury will find her not guilty so what does it matter yeah let her have a trial and also i just want to say something about juries really quick i feel like when the jury was invented previously communities were smaller right yeah so those were your peers right those were people they actually knew you who, knew people who knew you exactly yeah. so we don't need all these character references and stuff you're just known throughout the community it's not just now our population has grown so big that these are complete strangers. You know, they've they've never heard of you before. And if they have, it was rumors or whatever yeah. it is. I know well, they're not supposed to research people and things about the case while they're on the jury, but we don't know what they're doing. Their computers aren't being tracked. They yeah, can do whatever totally they want. It's totally upside down. It's you know? completely backwards from where it used yeah. to be. Where the, now, if they find out that you know the person... Well, that You're makes off. them ele- ineligible for jury selection. Exactly. So how are these peers? And I think that's why it's so easy for them to just be like, yep, guilty. Because yeah. it just seems for some reason it's easier to get all of them to agree if they all have to agree. It's well, easier for the, all of them to just be like, yep, guilty than well, innocent. I don't. And like you were just pointing out, when they're voting on whether or not to indict you, they're like, oh, well, I don't I don't have I have a clear conscience because I'm just saying we should have a trial to yeah. find out. So, I mean, you, you're you're thinking reasonably enough. Well, you wouldn't have me in here to ask if we should have a trial if there wasn't a question. So let's answer the question. But the thing is, when you get to the trial, all of those people have somewhere in their minds, well, if they didn't do it, why are they on trial? 
Yeah. The bigger problem is that it often doesn't go to trial because it is yep. nothing for the grand jury to offer up the indictment. So then the prosecutor, they, they bring those charges against you. They say, OK, you've been charged with operating in a licensed money transmitting business. And all of the, here's nine other things that you've been charged with. If you plead guilty to this charge and this charge, we'll drop these other charges and we won't bring additional charges against you because, you know, at that point that they can go to that grand jury and they say, you know what? We also we also think Aria was money laundering and evading taxes and insert whatever financial crimes you can come up with or structuring. We think Aria was doing all of these things and we want to we want to indict her for these as well. So then they they all they have that to threaten you with where they say, accept this plea deal. We'll drop all of these charges and you know we can bring these additional charges against you. We can bring 15, 20,000. We can bring a thousand more charges mm-hmm. against you if we want. Right. And we'll do that unless you accept this plea deal. Right. At which point you don't get a trial anymore because you've accepted the plea deal. And um, that's the way that's the way the American justice system is played. That's why something like they, they like touting the number that 98 percent is the federal conviction rate. It's actually like 99.6 percent or something Jeez. like that. It's. Is insanely successful, but it includes plea deals. It includes uh, all of those oh, people okay. who accepted plea deals because they didn't want to get charged with additional stuff. And that's the majority of people. And what's and, and there's no justice in this. People look. If someone is guilty of these crimes, do you really want a justice system that is going to cut them a deal? That's going to cut them a break? In addition. And, and most and people that charged. accept plea deals aren't actually guilty. They're just trying to avoid whatever worse punishment. Yeah. You we, know, we people can speculate accept- that's true. I mean, well, no, from no, what no, I've that's seen, pretty it obvious. is like if someone comes to you and says, hey, you can either pee in this cup and give me five hundred dollars or you can spend five years in jail. I mean, 50-50 on the five years in jail. Like, maybe you'll get convicted, maybe you won't. But who wants to go to a roll of the dice of spending time in jail when they could just pee in a cup and give you $500? I mean, they didn't do it, but why would they risk it? Well, the average American, as I understand it, commits three felonies a day. Mm-hmm. So anyone, anyone out there listening could be indicted for any one of those felonies. And then the prosecutors say, okay, we'll plead guilty to felony one and we'll drop felonies two and three, but don't plead guilty and we'll, we'll bring 10 different charges against you. Right. And may, maybe they're guilty, maybe they're not. It's sort of irrelevant at that point, but if they are guilty, what sort of justice system is it for, you, for the system to be cutting them deals? Mm. Or if they're, if they're guilty of murdering 15 other people, what level of justice is it for them to be like, okay, well, if you plead guilty to murders two and three, we'll drop all of those. What about those 15 other people who were right. murdered? There's no justice for them in this. The entire system is not built on justice. It's it's so hopelessly corrupt and counter to anything that was supposed to be good that I, I, I and, don't know what else to say about it except man. And even if you get completely off scot-free, they find by a jury of your peers you didn't do what you're accused of. Okay, they've drained how much of your life, how much of your anxiety, how much Mm -hmm. of your money. They've ruined you this much and you will never get any of that back. But despite all of that, there is actual justice to be found in the system. Believe it or not, there's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Talk 
It is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to join us. 603-283-6160. You can weigh in on whatever we've been discussing. Talk about anxiety. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. Ridiculous Mountaineer. And Nikki. And if you really want to, you can join in on the conversation we were having during the break there about whether what Nikki is eating <laughs> is cereal free cereal is a soup or a cereal so let me describe it real quick it is cut up bananas with blueberries walnuts on top with milk in it is it cereal is it soup is it something completely different see my initial assessment was that it was cereal but there's no grain walnuts are really close to i mean they look like a grain but it's not a grain right well you see the milk and you're like yeah that's cereal and that's what i always call it i call it my banana cereal because it's like keto cereal, you know, except not, none of that's keto. So never mind. But it's, it's like <laughs> it's like carb like free soup, cereal. But there's no soup in it. Yeah, exactly. I told you I'm willing to accept cereal free cereal. I, I really enjoy contradictions. So it's halfway to a parfait is what it is. So then we thought about, well, maybe it's a soup, right? And, and then it, we found a definition that I cannot even remotely agree with. Well, because it, it according to you, it, it excluded tomato soup. And right. I, I don't remember the definition off the top of my head. So um, it, it was a long, sort of laborious definition anyway. But so what would that concoction be described as? Uh, soup? Or cereal, or what? What would you? What would you call it? I w- I'm still inclined to call it a cereal. I don't know that That's grains what I call is it, necessary. So. Well, no, grains are cereals. Like. It's it, that's another word for the same thing. And if you don't have a cereal in it, then it's not a cereal. Maybe I should just make up a new word for it. So there you go. Well, or if someone wants to call a, in, be the first person to apply a new name to this food. That's six zero three two eight three six one six. So it's either a cereal or a soup, and cereal fits to me better than soup does. But Agreed. if if we're uh, if we're Sticking with that definition, which seems reasonable because there's no grains in it, then it has to be a soup. Even though it has no vegetables or meats in it, it seems mm-hmm. like that's... So what is it? I don't know. But let's go to the phones. We have Shag on the line from... I did not actually get the location. Shag, you're on Free Talk Live. I think you said Maryland? Uh, no, no. Massachusetts. Massachusetts, that's it. Yep. Welcome to the show. What's uh, on your no. mind tonight? I just wanted to comment on and talk to you you a little bit about uh, anxiety, PTSD, um, and this is probably stuff that you might be well aware of, but, you know, trauma is a normal part of the human experience. We all receive, you know, trauma at one point or another in life, and it affects the central nervous system, and that, that has to do with, you know, as Peekless was saying, the fight-or-flight response. So when you're, when, you have a, when you're perceiving a threat, when you have a perception of a threat, cortisol and adrenaline spike and when that threat is kind of always hanging there that can put your central nervous system in a, in a state where it's kind of always on that alert fight or flight mode cortisol levels are high adrenaline's high um and i just wanted to also talk about uh anxiety and sleep issues well, you say that, um, really well, think- before we get too further into that, I mean, let's have a dialogue. You mentioned that everyone, I think you said everyone has some sort of PTSD, and I would both no. a- agree. No, uh, you said everyone experiences trauma. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, yep. I I would agree and disagree in general. Um, 
maybe everyone experiences trauma. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I would actually make the argument that every person does have PTSD and that existence itself is a cause of PTSD. And we're just, we're just so numb to it. We're so accustomed to it that we don't actually think about it. I, I think it's my hypothesis that the very act of existing of being thrust into this universe. Yeah, with, being born. Yeah, with no signpost, no guide, no explanation. Just bam, here you are. You exist. There's no explanation. Good luck figuring it out, you stupid monkey. Is a traumatic experience. Well, that's, that's why that's, no one remembers it, man. Suppressed memories from birth trauma. Well, yeah, and it doesn't even matter if you remember it because a lot of the things that happen to us as infants carry on and affect us emotionally and psychologically. Oh, yeah. We don't even remember that stuff, but that is literally the point of the birth process is for it to be traumatic to give people like the initial fighting instincts of life and survival. But we're so young then that we like one of my favorite scenes, one of the most analogous scenes in movies that I can think of that is similar to this is the scene in the matrix where Neo wakes up Mm -hmm. and he immediately starts pulling stuff out. He lashes out. That's what I think a person would do if they were just, Born suddenly at the yeah. age of 25 years Probably. old. They just woke up and suddenly they existed. They had no existence prior to that. Just suddenly. But we're infants when mm-hmm. we first begin existing. So we can't lash out. We can't rip all the cables out. We we can't do anything except well, continue they, they to exist. They kind of do, actually. <laughs> what do you mean? They they kind of do uh, like cry and flail a lot. So okay. maybe they sure. are. But we just as much as they can. Yeah, as much as they can. But I mean, we just can't. It's just that yeah. Neo had all of this like prior training of living in a body like this, and kids don't. Like yeah. baby Fair. comes in and like they have no idea how to work anything except like their tongue, their eyes, and their lungs. That's Basically. about it. So I think that very I think existence itself is traumatic, and the whole of human history or the whole of a person's life is trying to come to terms with that trauma and try to make sense of it. And this is why governments and religions are so popular. They come along and they say, look, it's not pointless. It's not unknown. It's not a mystery. We have all of the answers. This is the point of existence. This is the reason you live is to, is to have this white picket fence and 2.5 kids and a 850 credit score and to sounds terrible and to vote and to love your government that that that's the point of your existence and worship god and then you'll go naturally the reason you exist is to serve me right obviously and then you'll have heaven you'll live in sugar candy mountain for all eternity and that's the point (laughs) of all of this existence right and that's that's my hypothesis of existence in journal it's just it's it's traumatic and we yep. we are trying we are struggling desperately to come to terms with the trauma of existing. Yeah, right. And when we're you know extremely young, we're essentially scared of most things, and it's kind of the role historically. It's the role of our tribe. You know, in the modern world, you know, tribes are kind of different, but it's the role of the tribe to essentially teach you and nurture you. Uh, into a place where you are able to perceive what is a threat and what's not a threat, and you're able to distinguish between those things. Well, and, so, and yeah, that's, that's one of the things absolutely. about like post-traumatic stress disorder versus, uh, uh, so yes, we all have traumas. Now, what's the difference there is that uh, with a stress disorder, you haven't integrated the trauma into your life. Because yeah. yeah, there are traumatizing things, but if you re- if you respond to them appropriately, then you can take right. that experience and right. work it into like your worldview and who you are and how you deal with reality. 
This is that that's right. very true. That's one of the reasons I'm against domestic violence to the extent that I am. I grew up watching my mother get the hell beaten out of her by alcoholics and other that was a traumatizing experience. And obviously right. that affected me profoundly. But because of that, I, I I'm not a domestic violence. I'm not an advocate of what was the word I'm looking for? I I'm not an activist who's trying to do anything in particular for domestic violence. I speak out against it whenever the opportunity presents itself, but I'm not out there like picketing to end domestic violence yeah. or anything like that. However, I'm very much against domestic violence. Like, I don't even argue with people when I'm in relationships. With them. I, we, we can have discussions, certainly. But as soon as one of us starts yelling or becoming hostile, I leave the situation. I'll come back when one of us has calmed down because... Yeah. To me, that's not productive, and it's it's not coming from a place uh, that can go anywhere good. To me, Absolutely. yelling at one another is just a lighter form of, of hitting one another, and mm-hmm. I don't want to participate in it. And this would drive my ex-wife insane, because no matter how angry she would get, and she wanted to yell at me, I would just turn around and walk away. And let me tell you, that doesn't make women calmer. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make anyone calmer. It just makes them angrier. But eventually... They do calm down, and you can have a discussion at that point. Now, I wasn't always like this. You know, there was a time when I would certainly yell back or whatever, but people grow, and mm-hmm. I think these are good things. So th- this is one of the things I said recently in part of the sentencing. I'm having to go through a psychiatric evaluation with a psychiatrist, and I argued that I don't necessarily – a lot of people like painting things in the terms of, well, I'm an abuse survivor or whatever, trying to put a positive spin on a negative action. And I understand the the value in doing that, like saying that you're an abuse survivor is taking ownership of that and turning something positive out of a negative experience. But there are no good experiences and no bad experiences. Only this is an experience that happened and it shaped me Mm -hmm. and it's cause and effect. There's no moral assessment to it whatsoever. If I cut off your toes, that's a bad experience. I'm sorry, you, you, you're you not going to enjoy the experience, and when we're done with it, you're not going to be Wait. more capable. You'll just be a person with no toes. It's not you're impossible making... that something positive comes out of it, though. Good things can come out of bad experiences. That's definitely true, but that doesn't change the case, fact that they're bad experiences. I, don't, I, think it, I think that's just a value assessment to it that's largely arbitrary. Well, and humans are the ones that are making the assessment. The thing that happens isn't inherently one way or the other way. Like, you don't know. You're making an assumption. She might like it if you cut off her toes. That's true. That's true. You know, I like, you don't know. that you would evaluate that experience similarly to me. Now, well, great. Right. Know, nothing is inherently positively or positive or negative. Uh, Certainly. Because value isn't inherent to anything. Right. It's all subjective. Value, right. All value is subjective and personal. But... I assume that your nervous system is sufficiently similar to mine that you would find it an unpleasant experience for me to remove your toes. Right. And I do and then, know that's a that, fair practically assumption. speaking, that that would keep you from walking well, which I also assume that you appreciate being able to do. And these are all valid assumptions, right? It, it comes back to the, this is basically the foundation of morality, is a series of assumptions that I assume you would want, you would, you would prefer happiness over over pain, right? And yeah. sure, that's an assumption, but it's a valid assumption that is true in almost all cases. Well, the right. whole uh, treat others the way you want to be treated thing that we learn in preschool, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wants to be treated like I want to be treated, that's but true. it's... Especially if you get into the minutiae. Yeah, right. but in it, it's just a safer assumption. You know, it's like a nice golden rule when you're in preschool. Right. Yeah, and in general, you can assume yeah. that someone doesn't want to get run over by a car. 
Yeah. Right? It may not be necessarily true. Maybe there is someone out there that that wants to die, and we have a story about that coming up, because I, I think it's valid. If someone wants to die, they should be treated seriously. They should not be taken as, oh, you're mentally ill, and how dare you even contemplate such a thing? No, life is worth living. Well, this is that person's call to make, and no yeah. one else's. Yeah. And more assumptions, you know? But, I mean... It, it amazes me that in thousands of years of human development, humans haven't become any more acceptance, accepting of suicide and the desire to not be alive anymore than they were back when Plato mentioned how sad it is that someone would be suicidal. Well, and I think part of this is, uh, so from those who do not have a libertarian mindset, it's very easy to believe that because their whole perspective is that you don't belong to you. You belong to society. So you can't do this and you have to do that because society needs you to do that and doesn't want you to do this. Whereas uh, from a libertarian or voluntarist perspective, it, it seems pretty obvious that at least you have the right to, even if it's a terrible idea. Yeah, it seems obvious to me that if I have, if if my life is mine and I... I think even the most diehard statist would readily admit that my life belongs to me and no one else. And they, they would argue that, you know, I owe some allegiance to society or something like that. But I think even the most diehard statist would be yeah. like, yes, your life is yours. I suspect you uh, over, uh, overestimate them. I, I hope not. But they don't extend that to the obvious reality that if my life is mine, then I can end it. Like my car. My car is definitively mine. No one would dispute my right to take a sledgehammer to it and, you know, bat, bash out all the windows. I'm it, sure somebody could dispute that. But it's my car. They don't care. You're, you're causing a ruckus or something. That, well, that's they different. Can, they can right? come up with Disturbing any reason. You know, like they right, have... but all of that's different. Yeah, exactly. Uh, assu- okay. Assuming I'm not disturbing the peace, I'm just doing okay. it on my property and it's not disturbing the neighbors or anything like that, that no one has any claim to say, no, you can't smash out the windows in your car. Yeah. Well, so, for example, the the COVID thing, uh, a big part of that was the belief that you owe me having taken this vaccine. Like, this vaccine prevents the transmission of this disease. And regardless of whether or not that's a fact, even if that were the case, they believe that you owe it to them to put this in your body because it will keep you from transmitting a disease. So Jack, they are you don't still with believe us? that you own your uh, own body. Yeah, what else did you have to weigh in on? Sorry, we sort of got no, derailed no, there. Okay. No, I, I was listening. Um, yeah, anyway, I can go on and on about PTSD, but essentially it's your nervous system getting locked, locked into that fight-or-flight mode, and so it's important to investigate and explore very, on a very deep level what you are perceiving to be a danger. And there's there's dangers that are legitimate, and then there's dangers that are just totally not real um so you definitely have to one one definitely needs to explore that well i think in my Um, case it's pretty obvious and i think this is why and i think it's pretty clear that his ptsd is a result of the rain and this is why i can't sleep more than an hour or two but you know past absolutely absolutely And and i just i just wanted to say sorry to cut you off um a real real helpful thing to do if you can is to find access to a sauna uh, and try to use it on a you know every day, every other day. Take take very intense saunas. It uh, it boosts your endorphin levels like crazy. It's like kind of like an opiate. 
Um, it lowers cortisol. It'll absolutely help you sleep. Um, it's, it's, I call it the health elixir because it, it's such, it essentially is all healing in a lot of ways. Maybe, uh, and, and, and I mean, that's great, right? All of that's great. It would be great for me to not have PTSD from having it rated, but that's not going to do any damn good to stop these people from doing it to someone no. else. Mm-hmm. And that's far no, more of a no. concern to me than is whatever they may have done to me. It's the fact that they will do this to other people. Not other people will be as well-equipped to deal with it as the, therap- the evaluating therapist said. You know, you're surprisingly resilient. Well, yeah, I've sort of had to be resilient, and that's sort of how resilient works. resiliency works. But they're going to continue traumatizing people as long as the FBI continues to exist without justice. They did this over completely white-collar crimes, operating an unlicensed business, not having a business license. They saw fit to traumatize not just me, but several other people breaking into our homes, violating the sanctity of our homes. And I don't know if anyone out there has ever really thought about it, but your home, your castle, mm-hmm. that if you don't feel safe there, then there's nowhere on this planet that you yep. can feel safe. Yeah, been and there. what the FBI did on March the 16th of 2021 was guarantee that I cannot feel safe in my own house. And there's nothing more damaging to a person's sense of safety than that. And I hate to say it, but like it is within your control to go to a sauna or to uh, one of my favorites is to take a good, long, deep soak. Uh, There's lots of good uh, uh, data on that being a really effective way of lowering cortisol and all that sort of stuff. Hot yoga. Right. Right. I'm going to throw that out there. But. I Turk Ferguson see... on isn't going to be able to take that. <laughs> you, you sweating and doing yoga and asana. He's the, the poor guy is going to have a heart attack. But I don't see how it is in any way in our power to even get the FBI to like try calling first. Just be like, hey, I'd hate to have to, you know, beat down your door or like just knock know, on the door but and like, somebody would open it. Just you know, turn yourself in. I mean, even you're not after wrong. You have or just knock on just the door. Like, you know, hey, how's it going? We've got you surrounded. We didn't want to make a big thing out of it and freak you out. So could you just? But they did want to make on? a big thing out of it. Yeah. They were super excited to bust down doors and point guns at people and Gotta do all the sorts of horrible. Yeah, exactly. Evil doers being defined as anyone who resists government. And someone who doesn't have a business license. But you're absolutely right. There's a cultural problem here because they could have easily. I mean, Ian had an attorney of record already prior to the raid. And the the FBI had been notified that Ian had retained Mark Sisti. And I I think I saw the letter at one point. It said something to the effect of, so if you need to interact with my client for any reason, please contact my office so that that can be arranged. Right? Which is all they had to do was contact Mark Sisti and say, hey, look, we have a warrant here for Ian's arrest. They needed to come here and steal things. Well, they still could have done that. They still could have done all of this without the traumatizing aspects of it. Yeah. They they could have knocked them. I didn't have an attorney on record, but they could have easily waited until a reasonable hour, Mm -hmm. not six o'clock in the morning, knowing because they knew they knew everything about me. They knew I worked night shift. They knew I had been in bed maybe two hours at the most at that point. All they had to do was wait until 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, that wouldn't get them off. 
No, that, this is the cultural yeah, no, issue that we have. And that's have. a real part of this, that I, I wonder exactly what the ratio is. Like, how much of this came down to the fact that it just makes them, it, it just gives them such joy yeah. to harm people, to scare them, to put them under their boot. I mean, that's what it feels like. Why else would you smash out all the windows and show up with ma- military vehicles and bulldoze down doors and point guns at people and make people walk through glass? It's because they enjoy it. You wouldn't do that. You don't do things that typically you don't do things that you don't like. You know, it's like, oh, and cops will give you that BS like, oh, well, I hate to have to do this, but I'm just doing my job. Like, I, I really hate. No, you love doing this. That's why it's your job. I go to work every night because I love it. And, you know, I like taking care of people and they like hurting people. And that's just what it is. Sadly, yes. And it just cannot be stressed enough that all of this could have been accomplished in a nonviolent way. Absolutely. In in every direction, all they ever had to do was show up with a search warrant, which they had. Yeah. Knock, knock politely on the door and say, hey, look, we're here to arrest you. We're, we're going to search your property. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can answer our questions. You can invoke your right to have an attorney present. You can do all of these things, but this is what's going to happen. Instead, of, I was just going to say all of these people, you know, you, Ian, whoever, are on record being peaceful, nonviolent people. On record. Right, which is more than we can say about the people who bashed in my door, threatened to shoot so me. So just to say that it's unnecessary to do all of that. And they've came here before, knocked on the door with a search warrant, whatever, and the door was opened and, you know, no one tried to attack them or ambush them. This yep. could have been done peacefully. Yeah, and even the, like, halfway measure where, like, okay, well, we're still going to be horrible, violent villains here, but we'll give you a call out first. So you have a chance to not have your property destroyed and guns pointed at you yet. Even well, that, they can't even be bothered to do what their own things are telling them to do. Well, they claim they did a call out. I, I don't know if they claim they did one at my place, but I think they claim they did one here, which is basically just saying, open up, and then they undertake their Oh, actions. at 5 a.m. when yeah. everyone's sleeping? But based on the videos, that there were there was no realistic call out. There, there was no attempt to wake anyone up or handle this in a peaceful, sane, civilized way. It was just brutality from beginning to end. Six which zero three. probably all sadism. 603 Two eight three six one six zero. It is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves. 603-283-6160, if you would like to do that, that's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. Beakless Mountaineer. And Nikki. And we were talking briefly during the break about our TikTok, because we do have a TikTok. You can find it at tiktok.freetalklive.com. That's T-I-K-T-O-K dot freetalklive.com. We're actually, uh, I, I mentioned that there's going to be a lot in the previous segment for me to clip out and put on our TikTok channel. And I mentioned in the host chat several weeks ago that 
all people have to do is like make a note of a time frame that something really humorous or entertaining or a really good point is made. You know, it doesn't have to be funny. It doesn't have to be enlightening or particularly intelligent or moving or whatever. It can be any of these things or or whatever, as long as it's entertaining. And, you know, shoot me the time frame of it. Let me know what the topic is so I know what to look for. If you say, hey, look, it's during this segment... Obviously, being more specific is going to be better. Cause, so in that first hour, right. there, you said this really neat thing. Right. So, I mean, okay. we want the TikTok channel. At the moment, it's mostly, just, I mean, at the moment, it's entirely nights that I'm on because I'm the only one doing it. Bonnie, is also, Bonnie started the TikTok, in fact, but she sort of dropped off doing it, which is regrettable because she watches more of the show than I do. So she, you know, sees more of it, but... I want a wider wider variety of topics and hosts on the TikTok channel. So you can find it at tiktok.freetalklive.com. We mentioned it earlier in regard to the Conan thing as well. The the drag queen clip, it's I think about a minute and a half long. It's one of the one of the longer clips that we have up there because all of the TikTok clips they tend to be pretty short. Uh, it's by far the best performer though. Something like eighteen thousand views at this point and that was despite being banned from TikTok. And yeah, it was temporarily banned for bullying slash harassment. Apparently, look we, what you did to Conan. No, right. right. <laughs> That's what I would have assumed. But no, they meant we were we were being anti-LGBTQ or we were being anti-drag queen because drag queen isn't necessarily LGBTQ. But yeah, yeah. But we were be, we were being transphobic or drag phobic or whatever the word would be right and so i appealed it i was like we're look if you listen okay, to look, the context going drag of this, is at least cosplaying as trans okay i think we can agree on that well, I cosplaying think it's as cosplaying. women it's, yeah uh, yeah it's at least cosplaying transgenderism well i don't know if it's even that right like if i uh, let me like if nikki was to cosplay as sashomaru from inuyasha yeah. which is just a male character that wouldn't be she wouldn't be being a drag king or and it wouldn't yeah. there wouldn't be any lgbtq aspect to it it would just be her dressing yeah. up as a character right well she's definitely cosplaying trans though because she's switching genders mm. i don't i don't know that i at any rate we certainly weren't being transphobic mm. and i appealed the decision saying hey look uh if you watch this it's pretty clear from the context that we were arguing against support of drag shows and the right of these people to do what they wanted and the right of someone that they didn't want to be affiliated with a drag show to just not go. So and it was reinstated. But despite that, it still got to like 18,000 views. So one of the things that I wanted to just point out there, so it seems to me that both sides of this argument really do have reasonable points. So on one side of this, they're like, well, if you if you suppress uh, any form of uh, of drag shows, including having kids at them, then you are moving us in the direction of suppressing this entirely so that uh, transgender people and then even homosexuals will all have to go underground again. And I can understand that perspective. On the other hand, there's the like, well, we really, really, really want to protect our children from all forms of sexual connotation and everything that is overtly sexualized if we can do that. So don't bring your kids. But see, drag shows, again, aren't necessarily sexualized. Uh, the, 
And I think this I think, is where a I lot think of that's the, I think that's where there's I, just going to have to I be a, you a difference some, of su- of subjective opinion. Like, I, I realize that you disagree on that, but that uh, that's not the that's not the way that most people mean when they say drag shows are sexual. They they think that they're up there dancing, uh, doing booty dances and stuff like that. That's what they mean when they say sexual. They don't mean wearing makeup in and of itself is inherently sexual. That's not what those people mean. So when you say it's sexual, I want to be clear that. You mean something fundamentally different than what the Republicans and conservatives? It's, I mean, so when they say I that just drag don't... shows are sexual, they think that drag shows that at drag queen story hour that the drag queens are showing up in g strings with dildos on their forehead, and they're not. That's what I, they. I mean. just think wearing makeup, even if it's very you know dark and you know very pigmented, and having large breasts doesn't isn't inherently sexual. I I agree with you on that, but yeah, let's go I'm, to the I, I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that. That's all right. Well, we are sexual creatures, and, and in that sense, having breasts is sexual because humans are sexual, and that's I mean, a sexual characteristic. Like, but... If I shove like a whole wad of socks down my pants, I'm being overtly sexual. Like if if I put on these giant, like if I put on football pads to to enhance my giant shoulders, like yeah, I'm I'm enhancing the secondary sexual so, characteristic of masculinity. So then, to that point, it's almost like we're all being sexual all the time to some extent. So that's then, what, what's wrong what, with drag queens? That it's way more than they're comfortable with. In, in which case, no one can be around children, right? Because yeah. everyone's sexual, I mean, I'm all, sexual, the sexual time. all the time. Yeah, yeah. For they sure. probably feel uncomfortable with a certain amount of makeup around their kids. Yeah, they probably feel uncomfortable wow. with uh, girls in g-strings parading in front of their kids. But g-strings and makeup, that. like you can't compare that. Though. I think that is a. I mean, that's very, like totally you, different. Yeah, I think that is a very unique take that I. I, I think what you're t- talking about sexually is fundamentally different from what yeah. the conservatives are talking about sexually. But maybe I, not, though. I don't disagree that obviously wearing red lipstick is meant to simulate sexual arousal. It, it's obviously it, in that context, wearing lipstick is sexual. But that's not what conservatives mean when they say drag shows are sexual. They don't mean that wearing lipstick is in and of itself sexual, they mean they're up there basically doing strip teases in front yeah. of five-year-olds. That's what they mean. Some drag shows are like that. Absolutely, yes, but typically, hopefully, ones. yeah, the adult one, like 18 plus, <laughs> like there will be a lot of drag shows that are like 18, 21 plus. Um, but, but, yeah. the ones where, but the drag queen story hours, they're not doing that sort of, they're not doing strip teases. Yeah. More clothes, yeah. less twerking. They're just wearing the makeup and the women's clothes and the mm-hmm. wigs and that sort of thing. But let's go to the phones. We have Major Payne on the line from Michigan. Major, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I got a couple of quickies here. Well, one's not a quickie, but one is I was listening the night of the uh, the Conan episode. And uh, I can feel see why he'd be a little bit butthurt. You guys kind of made him feel like the village idiot. He was I laughing with us. I remember making a comment when I called in and said, I got, I had to call in and give Conan a little backup here because you guys was acting like ducks on a June bug. <laughs> but uh, hold, hold on, on June hold, hold on, because let, let's go back to the episode in question. He was saying that, I mean, the part in question, he literally said that if they could get away with it, 
drag queens would be reading kids' stories while wearing bikinis with dildos strapped to their foreheads. I mean, yeah, we, we could say we were ganging up on him and being mean and all that, but that's that's a ridiculous statement. And that, that statement is worth laughing at. And I think well, he knew he, that because he was laughing as he said it. Well, he, he, I he think you being, were laughing at two different things at that point. He was impossible. laughing at the absurdity of what our society has become, and you were laughing at his perception of what society has become. Possibly. Well, there was a clip of one of the drag shows with one of the girls having a dildo stuck somewhere where, where it wasn't quite natural. And uh, I think he just kind of went with that and ran with it a little bit too far, maybe. I mean, we were but, also uh, talking about uh, one of these one of these child drag queens. I don't remember the person's age at this point, but he, he was watching the video with us where he... He was like, "Look, you see these grown men like throwing." Oh yeah, you talk about that ten-year-old that was yeah. butt dancing around for all these. But dirty that old men. isn't what happened. We saw the video, and he watched the video with us, and there were no dirty old men throwing money at this kid. But that didn't stop him from seeing it and from reporting it as though it had happened. He was seeing something that was not in the video. So you both watched the same video. And saw two completely different things? Yes. That's crazy. That's wild. All right. Now, I, I, to, to back up the major on this, one of the, the issues that I do see in general with, with our format. So there's three seats here. And very frequently what ends up happening is that it's two on one. Uh, very frequently, uh, and this, this isn't always a bad thing, but like very frequently I've seen like you and Ian gang up against Mark. Now, that has been some of our most entertaining footage, for sure, but it doesn't change the fact that you can feel ganged up on if you happen to be that third person. I don't doubt that at all. Uh, with me, Mark, and Ian, that, that that's a shtick, really. And Mark and Ian and I, I don't think we've sat down disgusted and like planned it out, but we all know that's, that's... That's just what happens to Mark when he's on the show. Well, I don't know if that's you know? what happens to Mark, but... <laughs> it's what he gets for turning status <laughs> on us. Right? But that is... <laughs> I mean, that is the dynamic that's at play here. Let, let's not forget that at one point, Mark sat across from me and said, you know, you, you lady boys or whatever it is you call yourself and pointed at me and like, that's part of the, it's just part of the dynamic of how we're interacting and how we're creating a show together. I thought that was an almost exclusively Thai thing. Anyway. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. I don't yeah, no, they have like right. a special no, word in that language that tr- basically translates as ladyboy. Yeah. But I even took a, I, I took a screenshot of him, you know, angrily holding the microphone and pointing at me <laughs> like that as he called me a ladyboy. And I posted on Twitter, you know, uh, radio host calls Aria ladyboy on the air or something like that. And I mean... Certainly, I mean, Mark, Ian, and I are certainly going to be worse about that than a lot of people would be, but it, it's also completely done in the name of fun. Yeah. All right. So I, I got some news that's been buried. You remember that infrastructure bill that they shoved down our throats? It was like 7,000 yep. pages, and I got like 24 hours to review it. Oh, the most recent one. Well, anyway, what was buried in there was a little tidbit that Sarah's just going to love. <laughs> what is it? They're going to have to put mandatory kill switches in all vehicles. Yeah. I think we covered yeah. that on the show. Yeah, Nikki, you brought back. it in. Oh, yeah. I'm sure no, no one I love my cars. Is of this. Totally safe. Yeah, I thought that just broke. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's uh, this is so so hackable, so backdoorable by the cops. I mean, it's just. Yeah. 
Man, I've got a related story. Have you heard about these digital license plates in California, man? No. Yeah, it's just like a normal license plate, except it's digital. It's a screen. Hate it already. Yeah, where (laughs) they can just digitally program it to display your license plate code, your letters and your numbers or whatever. For what? Like, what is the point of that? Well, the appeal is that you can customize a message down at the bottom. So, like, go sports team or whatever you want it to say. Why not put just a little thing at the bottom that you can customize? Well, th- that would that would make too much sense, right? So when these things glitch out and stop working... Well, there's some... Exactly. Uh, each one it has a battery life, and the battery is only yeah. good for about uh, 30 days. As it turns out. It, so it sounds like just another reason, because when you're driving with snow on your license plate and the cops can't see it, they have they pull you over and they say, I can't see your license plate so number, so I needed to pull you over. This is just another reason to give cops to pull people over. That's certainly possible. One of the selling points of this is that like you use an app to control it because, of course... You have to have an app to control yeah. your of license course. plate at this point because humanity's not doomed quite yet enough. So we shouldn't we need... even have license plates, obviously. Well, no, hold on. Uh, so you brought that up the other day, and I, uh, the the actual reason, reason like a reasonable reason to have license plate is so like if you hit someone with your car, we can go, okay, it was that person's car and not that person's car. So there, there is some purpose to having uh, an identifiable distinction for your vehicle. Maybe to an extent, Maybe. but it shouldn't be. I shouldn't be forced to have oh, one on yeah, my car. Yeah, that's that's exactly the problem. But if we it's, weren't, it's forced, and it's you have to go through this very specific thing. Like yep. not not even you have to have some way of doing this, but no, you have to have this way of do it. That surprise, surprise, and pay gives the state money. money. Yeah, right. exactly. But if we weren't focus grouped into three different types of vehicles, that would be less of an issue anyway. I don't need a license plate on my car for everyone who sees it to know, yep, that's Aria, because I'm the only person driving around a Mitsubishi Eclipse, Mm -hmm. from what I can tell, in the state of New Hampshire. However, (laughs) everyone else is driving a hatchback. Everyone else is driving a hatchback or a sports sedan or uh, or what is SUV. the other one? Or an SUV. There's only three models of vehicle. Yeah. It's exactly as bad as North Korea, where in North Korea you have, what, 16 official haircuts that are available for women, and that's it? You forgot pickup truck. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, there's there's <laughs> technically more than she three. She didn't forget. She suppressed it. There's there's also Jeeps <laughs> and stuff, right? So, I yeah. Mean, literally three is not correct, but every... Every vehicle in the United States, it does fall into a few basic categories, and it's every bit as bad as North Korea's. These are the official haircuts you can have, or these are the official car models you can have in North Korea. The only difference in the United States is that it's the result of focus groups and safety testing and all of these other things instead of a, a bureaucrat saying, these are the only allowable ones. So that that's the issue there is that we've been focus grouped to the extent that every vehicle is indistinguishable from every other. My other car, I have a Ford Fiesta and from the for the life of me, I can't find a single feature that makes it different from any other sedan on the road. Mm. Which is a sedan is just I think a just basic four four door car, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, or two door. Um, I thought that, one, uh, that defines that's it as a, a sports car. Yeah. yeah. 
But I thought a coupe was a type of sedan. I don't know. Uh, I think sports I think car is. is a kind of coupe. And yeah, two, uh, two doors a coupe, a four doors a sedan. That's I could be wrong. I'm not exactly a car guy. I'm not either. But you see every Toyota, every, every four-door car out there could be any other four-door car out there. And there's just, I can't tell the difference between any of them. So in that sense, yes, we need a license plate to distinguish one car from another. Anyway, the reason I brought, to the, brought this license plate up is... I understand the appeal, and one of the selling points is that, uh, obviously, you have this app, and you put your car in lock mode, right? Which is, okay, my car is locked, I'm going to work, or whatever. If the app then detects your car is moving, then it will change your license plate to display the word stolen, which you can understand, that's a neat feature. That immediately tells the cops, that anyone who sees that car driving by, that it's been stolen, Right? Unless you forget to unlock it. Yeah. Well, there's obviously some pitfalls like that, in which case you get pulled over and you're like, no, officer, look, I have the app here, whatever. Too bad. Gonna have to bring you in. Right. But it creates so many obvious problems of, oh, well, you didn't pay that parking ticket, so we're going to change your license plate. We're going to invalidate it on the spot like that. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, it's yeah, not straight good. Out of, uh, straight out of Fifth Element. Yeah. That's what we're heading towards. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Major. I ha- I've had that license plate story in my show prep for a few days now because it's <laughs> it's tremendously fascinating. It's such a bad idea, right? Why do Americans keep doing, or people in general, the Internet of Things, everything has to be digital. What, what need is there to have a digital license plate? Are you people serious? Well, and it's just... The big issue with it is as I do like a lot of prepping and things like that and just trying to be sustainable, right? Like if if the power goes out or something, I want to be able to, you know, be completely efficient without needing to rely on things like electricity and whatever else. People just keep straying further and further away from it. And as I find things from 100 years ago, 50 years ago, they still work perfectly fine. And they're actually more efficient than a lot of our digital things or, you know, so I just don't know why we keep straying in that direction when they seem very ineffective and, you know. Well, I think a lot of it really just comes down to our money system. So uh, the the whole fiat currency, the the constantly increasing how many dollars there is, puts this huge weight on consumption. Yeah, like everything is is levered toward greater and greater consumption. Well, at a certain point, you can't consume anymore unless you break it. Yeah, like oh well, this works, so I don't need another one. Well, we'll just make it so that it breaks after a month or a year or whatever. But then there are so many more long-term impacts of that because of consumerism and people buying things and just throwing them away because they don't want them anymore because they break. Now we have piles and piles of trash surrounding our planet, you know? Well, and my point is that the consumerism is the effect of the money system. If we didn't have a system where everything was inflating all of the time, because like people have finally noticed the inflation Mm -hmm. because it's gotten ridiculous. But the inflation, what they're aiming for and what they will change things to make sure is happening is 2%. So it's always inflating. So it causes rabid consumerism because the environment will not allow any other behavior. 
Right. The the worst thing you can do with the USD is to hold on to it for a single solitary yeah. minute because right. it's going to be it's going to buy less tomorrow than it will buy today. So mm-hmm. even if it's just buying a battery, it makes more sense to buy that battery than it does to hold on to the USD. And to to speak to the question of waste and all of that, these things have batteries. I that's so insane to me. <laughs> because first of all, it seems like couldn't you just couldn't you just hook it into the car? Like, you have a whole electrical right? system yeah. right there. I would expect something like that, or Gee, maybe... there was a handy-dandy generator. Oh, right The there. car! Or, I mean, there's any number of possibilities here. Even a little a little solar panel. How much electricity could this... And, I mean, yes, okay, a, a solar panel is not going to produce enough electricity to power one of these things, but that's kind of the issue, if it's if it needs that much electricity, what benefit does it have that a stupid license plate doesn't bring to the table? On top of that, the real issue with this whole Internet of Things nonsense is it, it eludes most people. But the IT security is not taken seriously by anyone who's programming and creating this nonsense. Absolutely. I did IT for the better part of 10 years. And let me tell you. No one's taking IT seriously. When when they when they made your smart television, they never even they did they took no steps to making it unhackable. Right. And the, it's just a matter of time before there's ransomware for your fridge and you're being told that if you want to be able to open your fridge and have access to your milk or whatever, then you're going to have to pay 0.001 bitcoin to some ransomware. And you you're going we to We should to, be so lucky. You're going to right. I guarantee you it'll be dollars. You'll and you better spend $100 no, no. today or it'll disappear. No, ransomware is always in cryptocurrency. Oh, oh, you mean you mean free market ransomware as opposed to the captured ransomware of the U.S. government. Sorry, you, you, made, you made a jump there that I, I didn't see. Uh, yes, I, I mean actual ransomware being infected onto people's devices because it's going to happen and cars this should terrify people the smart car the oh my gosh the, yeah the internet connected car if you don't do this i'm gonna crash your car off this bridge right but you they know? don't but think like anything whole, about it the whole registry of car system like the whole thing from top to bottom every speeding ticket every parking ticket the whole thing is based on ransomware it's like yeah. okay well we have your vehicle at ransom because we own all of the streets that exist yes but none of that if you want to use what's yours you better give us this yes but that's none of that a keeps your vehicle from cranking or b has the ability to drive your vehicle into a tree at 80 miles per hour i mean even the kill switch that the government is forcing car manufacturers to put in the cars even that is so dangerous oh yeah and the way all of these things can malfunction i mean if you if your 1950 Chevy breaks down, you can pull over on the side of the road. If you have a toolkit, you can probably fix it right then and there unless it needs a new part. Yep. You can probably make it go and you can get home. You can't do that with these brand new cars. You can't do that with these electric cars. No, and this ransomware stuff is coming. There will come a time where you have to worry about the possibility of you're driving home and suddenly it plays over your stereo that your car has been hit with ransomware. And if you don't pay X amount of cryptocurrency, it's going to drive you into a tree and kill you. What do you do? You have to pay that ransom. And it's people that can already 
the, the headlights are being hacked by the, the, that's the back door just look into it because i can't think of the examples and we don't have time now for me to get into it before we get into the subject but the internet of things is a terrible idea it's not secure and it's going to destroy people's lives there's more coming up here it is free talk live It is Free Talk Live. As always, you're invited to join us, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that's 603-283-6116. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. Bigless Mountaineer. And Nikki. And we talked earlier about anxiety a bit. Anxiety, depression, those sorts of things, PTSD. And i got to be honest with you. The American education system, it tends to cause anxiety, depression, and P- I don't know about PTSD, but maybe it, it causes all of these things itself because it's, it sucks. Um, there was no part of, for those who are new to the show, we're, we're probably above average intelligence here on Free Talk Live. I, I suspect that's a, that's a fair assumption. Seems that way, right? yeah. And I, I can prove that one. I don't know about. Oh, no, no, on, on, on myself. Okay. I, I took a test. Awesome. I, I'm somewhere above 130, uh, which, honestly, once you get to 130, like, what's the point? Right. So I suspect we're, we're above average, at least, and we know the public school system sucks, and, and everyone seems to know that. And I don't, I've never met anyone who's like, man, the public education system sure, Even sure teachers. is great. Even teachers complain about it. Right, and I mean they're welfare whores, and they yeah. they hate. No, oh, they that, don't know but, that part though. Well, some of them. Well, okay, fair point. I think most of them probably don't. But it's an yeah, absolute not to think of themselves that way. It's an absolutely horrific experience, and it truly it's designed for the dumbest segments of the population. Right? It's no matter how dumb. How, how can I put this? I, I, You have to forgive me. I was educated in the public school system, so I'm struggling to figure out how to put it. But if you're too... It's designed for the really dumb people. So if you're not one of those really dumb people... Lowest common denominator. Yeah. Sort of a focus. Right, obviously. But if you're not that dumb person, you're going to immediately eclipse the criteria that you're learning in school. And they're going to hammer it year after year after year. I... It continues to boggle my mind that we learned multiplication in the second grade and we continued learning it in the third grade and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the eighth. And it wasn't until my ninth grade year that we actually learned a new element of mathematics, which was geometry. Other than that, it was just algebra and easier versions of algebra with addition and subtraction. And all well, you that. shouldn't have been so smart. Right, but eight years, obviously, eight years of learning the same thing. Well, they still can't do it, so clearly that wasn't enough. And the same with English and grammar, eight years of learning to use commas. And and you still have adults who can't use commas. The American education system is a complete joke. Well, the public education system throughout the world is a complete joke. Absolutely. So maybe you're out there trying to find a different solution. The Socratic experience may be able to help. Check it out at 
SocraticExperience.com slash FTL. That's our link to download the parent guide. That's SocraticExperience.com slash FTL. It'll get you 20% off your first year's tuition. This is for people who are frustrated with the public school system. They know it doesn't work and they're seeking an alternative to raise their kids, to educate their children in a way that isn't going to cause anxiety and depression and stupidity and a waste of time. Because that's what public school system ultimately is, a complete waste of time. I ended up dropping oh, it's worse out. worse than that. Like, a waste of time, you are where you were minus the time. Public education, you are so much further back, and you have so much garbage in your head that simply yeah. is not true. No, I literally have trauma from public school. I don't doubt it at all. It's, it's prison. Yeah, well, and, it's prison for children. And this is why when I called in, I was like, no, just because my, like if I have a kid and they're like, hey, I want to go to public yeah. school, we'll discuss it. But I'm not just going to acquiesce to that because yeah. like, no, it is dangerous. It is dangerous to your mind. It is dangerous to your system of values. It's dangerous to your body. So, no. no I agree with that. There doesn't appear to be very much about it that's actually good. That's certainly You're right, Nikki, that they are well, it prisons. It frees up that second parent to not have to watch the kid. Exactly. The school that I went to had multiple buildings on the campus, and you know that was good, I would argue, because at least we got some fresh air going go from outside, one class yeah. to the other. But that, that campus was replaced, and the school that I went to didn't go to, but it relocated to a single building that is fenced all around it and has... Like a prison. Uh, I'm not kidding. It has razor wire on top yep. of the fence. And this is presumably to keep people out, right? To keep the clowns yeah, out. Yeah, which, which way is it facing? Right? <laughs> but let's just, just bask in the reality that this public school is identical so, to a prison. So I remember uh, when I was 18 years old or so, one of my boyfriends went to jail and I was going to visit him while he was in jail. And I was mortified when I stepped in to the Department of Corrections to visit him and it had the same floors, the same ceilings, the same walls. Mm -hmm. It looked exactly like at least the public schools I've been to in the state of Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Identical. It looked the same on the outside. It looked the same on the inside. It smelled the same. It literally smelled the same. They have the same people designing them. They have the yeah. same technologies I wonder in why. both of them. Like they have like, oh, well, we're experimenting with this technology to uh, increase docility or to yeah. punish unruly prisoners slash students. And they'll try the same technology in public schools. Yeah, that's not a coincidence. Prisons. I think the only difference between public schools and prisons is that prisons have narrower windows. Honestly, I think that was the only meaningful difference. But mm-hmm. the schools are horrible places. The Socratic experience offers a way out. SocraticExperience.com slash FTL if you want to learn more about it. Let's go to the phones. We have Alu Axelman on the line from Liberty Block who lives here in New Hampshire. Alu, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Thanks hey, for what's up? My call. Yeah, what's I on your mind tonight? Respond, I want to respond to Ian, I think, last night or a few nights ago because I'm behind because of the baby. I'm a little behind on podcasts, so I am catching up. Yeah, congrats um, on the baby, by the way. Evening. I'm going to catch up. Yeah, thank you. Thank this, you was, this was the so, bullet thing, right? Was it Yes. Alu? Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't connect those until like thing. last night when I was like, hold on. Okay. And yeah, I, I, don't, so, I don't have the wherewithal to explain that. So that, that was between me and Nikki. Yeah, Ian, 
um, was like the first Not time in my anymore. life I heard him be almost pessimistic about um, the crypto use in New Hampshire, which which I think you know crypto use is is not super totally ubiquitous in New Hampshire, and maybe it has decreased in years. But um, I gotta correct him and say at least in the Liberty community, so maybe I'm a bit biased or I'm in a bit of an echo chamber or something. Um, there's a lot of use of crypto, gold and silver. I can look at my records. Um, I, I record everything, and my book sales around 10, 20, 25 percent has been in alternatives. When I sell books, I've sold 700 books total. Um, around 10, 20 percent comes in goldex, silver, or crypto. Um, so it's a decent amount in alternatives. I paid for um, lots of things. Yesterday at the gym, I saw a guy setting up a table there selling beef jerky. I bought that for goldex. Turns out he already accepts them. Um, I bought nice. and I, I got a water heater replaced for my boiler, um, for and I paid the guy in goldex today for that, like big purchases. It was a big one. So like, you know, a lot of people accept go back to the community. So I have to correct them on that. But also, um, well, I don't, I don't recall anything that Ian had said last night that could have come across as pessimistic. I'm behind. This is like four nights ago, probably. So, uh, I, I, I see what you're saying with, uh, within the community. Sure. Within the Liberty community in New Hampshire, uh, we do have a thriving little market of alternative currencies, specifically long-term focused currencies, but the, it ain't what it used to be. Like, you know, there, there's, there are places that are, you know, in, uh, there's a private club in, in Manchester that we used to have a whole bunch of like, okay, here are the QR codes for the various cryptos that we accept. And that was just a thing. And that was normalized. Like, okay, well, if you want this soda, you can just pay in Dash or you can pay in Bitcoin Cash. And that's all gone. There, there were a bunch of, uh, of, uh, not know your customer uh, uh, Bitcoin vending machines that were also available. And all of that disappeared when the feds broke down the doors and windows of this very studio. As soon as that happened, it spooked so much of even yeah, our local also, community. It wasn't. The, the, if you don't use it, you lose it, which is what Ian was saying, which I agree, and it's a shame. Like, people really should, like at Murphy's and all the other stores that mm-hmm. are very crypto friendly, they should go and get a beer there once in a while and pay in crypto just so the waitresses know how to do it because they do it more than once. Yeah, that's why I don't yeah, go there was, anymore. That was very much uh, the issue. And when the German, they weren't a film crew, the German crew was out here. That was one of the stories that I attempted to convey to them. Um, what were what, what you look at now when you go down Main Street in Keene and when I historically have given the crypto tour here in Keene when mm-hmm. people come to visit it's I take them around and I show them all the places that accept cryptocurrency and now it's it's a it's a hollow shell of what it was three years ago and the story that I portrayed to the Germans when they were visiting is not look welcome to the crypto mecca and here are all of these places that that accept cryptocurrency it was you're coming after the crypto mecca has been sacked. That's that's the reality yeah. of what we're dealing with here. And yeah, but I'm still probably over the next few years because of inflation and so many other issues. Crypto is picking up still. I think. well, maybe, but maybe, Mark but dude, words. I've lived in it and I've seen it here in Keene. And in, in, I, I don't know if it's going to be back or not, but it's down and it's down for a reason. That's because you your biggest advocates for it are not are legally not able to be out there pimping it to people. Yeah. Well, and one of the big issues here is the whole know your customer practice. And the whole 
point yeah. of money. The purpose of money is to not know who you're doing business with. The whole point was, look, I can only know a Dunbar's number of people. So I can keep track with those people of who's up on who, who owes what to whom. But outside of that, I can't I, I can't pay people back and, and I can't expect to get paid back. But with money, I don't have to know you. Someone as smart as Picos Mountaineer, I'm sure, knows what crypto means, like what the root of the word actually means. It yeah. means like cryptographically public, secured like currency. Secret. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. Anything else so you wanted to talk, talk about, about tonight, Ali? Yeah, you mentioned Damar Hamlin. I, I did a video it's on Odyssey. Um, YouTube already kicked me off, especially the word for this. For the, uh, Shocking. Sort of fascism. Actually, I did a video on Damar Hamlin, um, um, and it does look like it actually was commotion to this. I mean, we, you know, we did learn about it in the MT school and medical school and stuff. Um, it's pretty rare, but it could happen. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more in football. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's vaccine related, but the other thousands of players who are fainting and or dying in you know, NFL and soccer, those probably are from the vaccine, from myocarditis or something. Well, um, but as not, I learned world, from a very wise video. meme, if they can assume that because you had COVID and died, you died from COVID, then we can assume that if you had the vaccine and died, that you died from the vaccine. That just seems mm-hmm. fair. You would think so. Excellent point. But, but I actually mentioned in my video, no one seemed to mention like the one simplest thing where it could have been commotion cordis, which is pretty much when you get a big stimulus, either a shock or a big thump that can send 10, 20, 50 joules of energy into your heart. It's like a small shock. Um, if you get that at a certain point in the interval, which now everyone knows commotion cordis was trying to like Twitter after this, pretty much if it hits you on the, the up upstroke of the T wave right after the, the, polarization of the ventricles well, yeah, but you pointed out this doesn't happen more often like how many hits happen in in games an unbelievable number well i think i think what he's saying is it's very uncommon in that some of the other incidents could have been due to the vaccine but in this incident it seems more likely but so so um nikki are you familiar with long qt yes not very much but yes all right Every medication can elongate, prolong the QT segment. Yeah, you know? most of so them, like, even so like Zofran and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, Zofran does, pretty much everything does. But, but anyway, here's the thing. Or why do we worry about elongation of the QT segment? Because that makes it more likely that you have. Dude, none of this means anything to me phenomenal. as a layperson, man. It, I'm not even so a layperson, and it's going way over my head. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we, we can talk about what it... Yeah, I mean, thank you. Okay, thank you for the call tonight. This is going way over my head. <laughs> We're getting off into the weeds yeah, here. And thank you for the call, Alu. But realistically, it's... it's Way more simple than that. And and I'm sure your video, people can find you. At, I'm sure it's at Liberty Block. That's how people can find you on Odyssey. I'm sure your video goes in wonderful detail about it. But the, it's really quite simple. Here's a prof- professional athlete in the sport where they smash into each other. And he had a heart problem when they smashed into each other. That's Yeah. That's not... To me, that's... The job is smashing into right. people. Like, it's... The NFL has this big thing now about people getting concussed. We're like, yeah, they smash into each other day after day after day. Of course, eventually someone's going to get a concussion, brain damage, a sort of thing, right? Of course, someone eventually is going to have some sort of heart attack while this is happening. It's, it's not surprising to me at all in this sport where people, big, burly dudes, smash into each other at full speed. Eventually, someone's going to get hurt. And I think just... I know a lot of, I've witnessed firsthand a lot of vaccine side effects, um, but I don't think, I think people saying every single 
person that is healthy and then has something happen, they're like, it's the vaccine, it's the vaccine, it's the vaccine. It's not always the vaccine. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And I think people are just making a lot of assumptions all the time that aren't necessarily well, valid. So so two things on that. Um, number one, as far as like, was it the vaccine? Was it not the vaccine? Now, the fact is there are so many things that it could be yeah. that it probably was something other than the vaccine. However, of the possible causes, that is the highest single probability of a uh, of like one singular, at least primary cause. I mean, I wouldn't know because I don't have his records and I don't know his history and stuff. So like that's a thing where we're just we don't know these people. We don't know their medical history and we're just making assumptions. It kind of, you know, we need more information to even be able to make an accurate assumption. Well, and that's one of you the know, big we issues can theorize, with this, is but... that we are never going to have accurate information on what the danger no. of this medical treatment is. No, and libertarians have a huge blind spot in in this area more than any others, right? Like, I know almost everyone I know is vaccinated. Everyone outside of Free Talk Live here uh, is, is vaccinated. Almost everyone you see in the supermarkets or at your, at your other job is they've at least gotten one of these shots, right? How many people do we know who dropped dead of myocarditis or, or whatever, or some random heart attack, right? Not including work, none. Yeah, almost none. So, but libertarians, they point to this one example. Like, oh, look, the vaccine's killing people. It's like, okay, maybe it seems to be killing people about as effectively as COVID-19 killed people, though. Yeah. It's not very effective at all. Mm, you know what groups, I... Though. Like COVID nineteen was not killing athletes; it wasn't killing people that were already healthy. Well, we don't know who it was killing or wasn't. Well, it was killing okay. fat people. So I'm sure plenty of athletes no, died of COVID nineteen. We do know that the the comorbidities was a huge question. Like if but, you okay, had fair. these com- comorbidities, then your risk assessment was totally different. Diabetes, being fat, and or whatever bariatric. I'll use a nice nicer word. Or having heart problems right. or other respiratory issues. Right. Those were the people that were dying of COVID. Vaccine, it seems more random if it even is the vaccine. We're not really sure. It might be. But what I will say about the vaccine is typically I'm I'm going to assume that I'm probably the only person at my job that is unvaccinated. Maybe there's a couple other people. But let me tell you, COVID goes around that place. Pretty much every single person that works on my unit was passing it. You know, they were taking turns getting it for like a two month period. I was one of the only ones that did not get it. Every single person that I work with every night, side by side, as close as we are right now, I was the one person that didn't get it. So clearly your vaccine doesn't work if I'm unvaccinated and I did not get COVID and everyone that is vaccinated did. I've seen that happen quite a lot. And I don't know if it's COVID or not, but like I see a lot of people getting colds and stuff and I remember, guys, two years ago, if you had a cold, you were a leper. You weren't allowed to oh, go yeah. to work. Mm-hmm. And oh, how yeah. dare you even try to come to work? You monster. You're yeah. evil. You're a manslaughterer. But now, oh, no, it's, it's probably just a cold. People are behaving now as they should have two years ago. And as libertarians were behaving two years ago, go, guys, it's just a cold. Will everyone please calm down? Some amount of apologies, I think, are necessary for the overreactions that we dealt with, but they're never going to come. Right. And, of course, libertarians, they do have this blind spot that we were talking about where 
they seem to think that they point to this athlete who dropped dead or who had this heart attack or whatever uh, died suddenly is a thing, right? That people are dying yeah. suddenly, but it's not happening in the streets. The way libertarians portray it, there, there are dead bodies. Libertarians are portraying people dropping dead in the streets in the same way that the hysterical people were portraying COVID two and a half years ago. Yeah. And I actually do want to correct myself because when you asked if we knew anyone personally who has, you know, dropped dead of myocarditis or something similar that didn't really make sense. I actually can think of like three or four people. Um, One was a man in his sixties and totally completely healthy and just got a heart attack, you know, and not right. Not completely impossible, but it's hard to not theorize like, well, you know, he got back, you know, like this, it could have been sure. the vaccine. You know, it's it's hard to not theorize that. And I remember even my sister asked me, she's like, am I crazy for like seeing this happen and, you know, just automatically assuming this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be honest. That's what I'm automatically assuming. Doesn't necessarily mean, you know, correlation is not causation, well, but... Well, two of the things. So one thing is that it, nothing, nothing ever has just one cause. Yeah, you of have course. like a big cause, a proximal cause, but I mean, everything has a bunch of little causes. So if someone gets a heart attack, I'm sure there were a bunch of little things that contributed to yeah. every single heart, heart attack, even if there Absolutely. was one big thing that really catalyzed yeah. the event. But okay, so if we have this big potential catalyst, that is worth looking at. Yeah. And, and and the other part of this is, so if someone in their 60s has a heart attack, that's really not that much of a surprise. I mean, it's still but kind of a surprise. But to just die, I mean, that's surprising. Yeah. Whereas young, healthy athletes, yeah. I mean, when, when you have like, okay, well, in the last couple years, we've had a thousand athletes die with an average age of 23 from yeah. this same kind of thing you start to wonder and and it's taken decades to get a thousand dead athletes before this that's awful suspicious yeah and i will say and i've said this on the show before too when i was working in the hospital i would get people who got their first or their second dose three four days before and now and they were perfectly healthy before or maybe not but whatever and now they're coming in with strokes heart attacks blood clots all sorts of random stuff and I'm like, we have to wonder, they got their first or second dose days before, and now they're here. Like, you have to wonder. And it doesn't get reported <laughs> into theirs because you have to wait that two-week period until they're vaccinated. There's so a, that doesn't even get reported. There's a lot that we're never going to know about this, and I, I think it's tragic. I don't want to take the risk in any direction, and I see no point in taking the risk in any direction. The athlete thing, that's certainly weird, but... I don't find it too unbelievable that a professional football player got smashed into and it gave him a heart problem. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. There's still time if you want to get on the air with us at 603-283-6160. You're more than welcome to do that. You can weigh in, 
talk about the vaccines and libertarian blind spots. Drag shows is always a popular, divisive topic, and it is unnecessarily divisive. Um, Bonnie's having a discussion, evidently, on Twitter with uh, the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, which has chosen the the silly, misguided path of alienating uh, drag queens and just the LGBTQ population in general. I, I haven't seen any of this, so I'm just going off of what Bonnie has said, but I trust Bonnie's judgment on these things. And there is a strong conservative leaning among libertarians, and it's such a peculiar thing, right? Well, they're conservatarians. They're not libertarians. Well, hold on. So uh, one of the things that I think is happening right now is just that we are at the peak of conservative libertarians. So uh, 20 years ago, like, you know, George W. Bush is in the White House. uh, 9-11 has just happened. And okay, well, we're going to war with half the planet. And here's all of these things. And we get to feel up your balls if you want to travel to another state and all of that. Okay, that was the like very bottom of conservative libertarianism. Like in the conservative side of things, there was no no powerful libertarianism, even though we had like a strong voice in uh, in Ron Paul that converted a lot of people. But the conservatism itself was very authoritarian. And at well, that it point, still is. Well, and, uh, and that, that's that's the reason this issue is even happening with the the conservatarians in the libertarian party of New Hampshire. They 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 want. They're characterizing drag shows as child abuse. And yeah. I don't know if they realize this or not, but this is the same issue I have with people characterizing transgenderism or transsexualism as being mentally ill. It's like these words have implications. The implications of child abuse is that someone has to intervene to yeah. put a stop to the abuse. And like I said, you know, I experienced these things as a child and yeah. that wasn't the child abuse I went through. You right. know, that's not on the list. Right. So, uh, have you ever been to a burlesque show? Yes. Okay. So, well, sort of. Sort of? I, I'm aware of that. I've never physically been to one, but I know people who have done them. Okay. And Can, she got I a private have seen show. those performances, so, but not in person. Could you see where someone uh, would say that that was a, a, an abusive thing to bring a child to? No. You don't? Like, I don't I'm not so. saying you agree with it. I'm saying, can you see why someone would believe that that was so sexual that to bring a child there is to incline their mind in that direction and therefore abusive. No, I would say no. You know, I watched rated R movies when I was a little kid. I watched horror movies when I was a little kid. That was not child abuse. No. And like we mentioned, you know, on this show many times, there's a spectrum. All five-year-olds aren't created equal. All 18-year-olds aren't created equal. All 14-year-olds aren't created equal. They are uh, individuals they're human beings that are all different and their maturity level is going to be different i mean in the middle ages there weren't really bedrooms in the average person's house there, there was just the the common space and you you would literally lay there in the floor while your parents had sex right next to you and yeah, read I mean, greek mythology man yeah, like it, it, it would be child abuse to have sex with the child certainly and and to like Make it a display for the child to have to watch or something like that. I think it would be child abuse to have sex in front of a child. Now, you might not agree with me on that. People for thousands of years did exactly that, and it didn't seem to bother people one way or the other. Yes, people for thousands of years abused children. 
I don't think that's child abuse. Uh, I'm whether or not that's child abuse. People for thousands of years have abused children. That's yeah. a truth. That's a fact. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that what they were doing then constitutes child abuse. People for thousands of years did X doesn't mean that people for thousands of years did Y. So you don't even see how it would be child abuse to sit your kid in front of some porn? No. No, not if, at all. If my child wants to sit there and what? Now, it would be it would be wrong. I don't know if I would use the word abuse, but it would be wrong for me to be like, look, you're watching porn tonight and that's all there is to it. Just like I wouldn't be like, look, you're watching Doctor Who tonight and that's all there is to it. But if I, if, if I have a 10-year-old child or a 5-year-old child and they're like, I want to watch some porn, I'm not going to be like, no, you can't do that. I think some I education am, has to be done. It would but- be very different for me to be like, now sit down on the couch and watch your pornography. Right? <laughs> like that. Eat, eat your broccoli. Well, <laughs> now here's the thing. If you're a parent, that pretty much is the circumstance. Whatever you put on the plate is what they're eating. What you give them to do is what they have to do. Yeah, but I don't so sit around watching pornography do, while I eat dinner. Right? Okay. I am very much on the side of let's not expose children to pornography. Let's, in fact, protect pre-sexual humans from, as much as possible, exposure to sexual activity because... You're the one who spent the first hour arguing that humans are innately sexual. I'm, there is so you're a trying sexuality. to protect humans there from their a, own nature? No, there's a time for it. And that time is called puberty. I'm not saying there is or isn't a time for it. I am, however, saying that I would not sit my ch- children down and let them watch and order them to watch pornography. I want to say children start exploring themselves and each other sexually at a very young age. Typically, like that starts at like two years. I mean, yeah, and usually it can like screw two years them up old for life. I don't think I don't it's, think playing it's just, doctor is going to screw kids up well, life. Playing yeah, doctors like, with their uncle in the basement with so movie time. That's, will that's the thing. If it's a creepy adult being malicious, that's one thing. But if it's like two five year olds that are like, "Hey, what's that? You know, show me mine and I'll show you yours," sort of thing. Like that's what children do, and it doesn't. I mean, that's just like so, normal. So I don't think sex is immoral. I don't think sex is immoral, and I don't think it's Some damaging. Sex is immoral. I don't well, think yeah, it, some is, but I that's think we rape. Can, w- right, right. Rape is still sex, and it's immoral. I didn't say all rape. I, I didn't say that all sex. I said I don't think sex is immoral. Some of it is. I didn't say it wasn't, but sex in and of itself okay. is not immoral. Yeah, not all. Some, but not all. Yeah, definitely. Right. But now, we're not so, talking about rape here. It goes without saying that rape is wrong, and none of us are advocating rape or raping kids. I think that So we can remove the conversation of rape entirely from from the conversation that we're having. I think sitting your kid in front of a porno is pretty close to rape, actually. Did I, I say anything so. about putting my kid in front of a porno and saying, watch this? I explicitly said I would not do that. Okay. So here's, However, here's if I was the... watching pornography for whatever reason, I... I, I wouldn't be like, oh, God, no, kids, you can't watch pornography. I wouldn't. It's not a family event, obviously. But if my kid was watching pornography, I wouldn't be like, no, you're not allowed to watch that. Why, yeah. is, why is it obvious that that's not a family event? If it's because obvious, the reason that if it's person, obvious that it's okay to bring why the whole do you watch pornography? To, why do I watch pornography? Yes, that's none of your business. All right, and you're assuming <laughs> my out of uh, my out of work activities. Thank you very much. No, okay. you could have easily I said pornography? I don't watch pornography. To be titillated, to access that right. that reptoid, right. that reptoid side I of understand. my brain, and you don't do that with your children. 
And that's why I wouldn't watch pornography with my children. Right. So one of the biggest the same reason I wouldn't have with sex with them. Okay. Right. So one of the issues that we're dealing with here is something called imprinting. So your early sexual experiences will have a permanent effect. It basically sets the foundation for your entire view of sexual reality from that point forward. So if you do it badly, you will have problems with your sexuality throughout your life. It's possible. It happens all the time. I'm not saying it doesn't. Early sexual experiences have a permanent effect that is extremely Everything difficult to reverse. Everything has a permanent effect on people. No, it doesn't. Uh, Whether I picked my nose five minutes ago has no permanent effect on me. Whether you were scolded for picking your nose when you were five years old absolutely does have a permanent effect and on you. And I think a lot of early childhood things do have permanent effects on us, whether we remember them or not. Mm. Um, and I and I do agree that early sexual experiences like definitely will kind of I mean, I don't say they definitely will, but I've seen in many circumstances where that will kind of reflect onto sexual experiences and thoughts and feelings in the future. But I just don't think I, I wholly agree that we should allow kids to be kids. Right. We shouldn't be like. Hey, look, you're six years old. It's time for you to learn about the birds and the bees or whatever. And you certainly shouldn't be having sex with children or exposing them to sex or anything like that. But when I say let kids mean kids, I mean exactly that. If your five-year-old is playing doctor with the neighbor's five-year-old, turn the other way. Yeah, and, let, let the kids be kids. And, and I think that there them. are some people that that see that as doing harm to that child. Why? I'm not doing not, anything to those children. To not protect them from these experiences. No, they don't need. I don't think they need to be protected. I think they need to be educated. And you know, I, I think it's, and I think it's especially important for like when working with children to teach them the correct name for body parts. I hate all the little like silly. Yeah. You know, like uh, I agree pet names, it's weird because we need, this isn't, you know, like children get those needs, examples of kids telling like, their teachers, my uncle ate my cookie I or whatever. Exactly. You know, yeah. yeah no, so terrible. it's like use, but there's, children just need to be educated on their body parts. And when the time is right for that particular child about sex, reproduction, you know, how their body works. Like, this is just part of well, raising there's children. There's a really big difference between knowledge in the in the sense of, like, what you can talk to someone about or, you know, teach them and experience. Yeah. Again, so, we, we can remove the conversation of experiencing sex with children from the conversation no, entirely because none of us are advocating We're talking that. about two children, right? Right. So, like, two five-year-olds. So, do you think that would scar them for life? Like, if... Potentially. If... Th- I think that I mean, has the potential okay. of having a, a permanent detrimental effect on their way of looking at It also at has the potential of having positive effects on how they look at sexuality for the Indeed. rest of their lives. And the more developed their nervous system is when they have their first... Because that's the thing. These Your first sexual experiences no, no, are no, no, extremely no, 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 no. impactful. No, no, you're jumping too far. It can have a negative experience on them for the rest of their life. I'm willing to admit that. It can also have a positive influence on them for the rest of their and lives. And I'm willing to admit that. So, and what so I'm why saying interfere? Is that, why, so why not just leave it at that? The more developed your nervous system is... You don't know that. You, I do you, know You don't that. know how you can... You, Let you me don't finish know what my the chances are I'll tell you what I know. You don't know what the chances are of a sexual experience being positive or negative for any of these people at any ages whatsoever. You're just speculating. Oh, you're right. However, 
since you're going to have to throw the dice at some point, the more developed your nervous system is when you throw those dice, the more you're able to integrate the information. Like we were talking about uh, integrating trauma. The more you can integrate trauma, the less it becomes dysfunctional. And the more you have a developed nervous system, the more capable of integrating a, a potentially negative sexual experience you're going to be. It depends on to what extent they're rolling the dice. I don't think the five-year-olds are going to have penetrative yeah, doubtful. Right? You don't I, I, think that, huh? I sincerely don't. But for one, I don't think the five-year-old boy is capable of doing so. As my as my understanding of analogy works, but um, anatomy works. You are mistaken. Okay, whatever. I still don't think it's very likely that they're going to have penetrative sex. I think it's far Seems more likely like that they're going to, to protect them from. It's not my job to protect or, them from the. If two five well, year you don't have kids. If two so five year olds are to protect a, a kid. From it's anything. not your job to protect their kids either. It's the parents' job, and if and if two kids are playing doctor and that's what they do, I'm not going to be watching them anyway. If I see two kids and they they start undressing each other to to play doctor, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand there watching it. So you know what I think? Kid, I'm gonna blow the whistle on. I'm that. gonna be turn like, around oh, and no, walk away. As, so as a parent, you can do that, yeah. right? And I think it's up for parents to decide that. But I think what is more detrimental to kids, and I, I you know I don't even want to say if it's more or less. But what I know is detrimental to children is when we treat their bodies like they're, they're, you know, like, oh, you know, don't, don't do that. Don't touch yourself like that. You know, Satan's going to get you and God is watching that whole thing makes people like they, you will carry that on for the rest of your life and maybe you'll get rid of it. Maybe you won't. But it's like, oh, my body is inherently dirty. Yeah. I'm not allowed to touch myself. I'm not allowed to have sex. If I do, God is watching. I'm, you know, all of these negative well, things. Hold, hold, that hold is on, hold also on. detrimental to children, thing. though. So and a God lot of people do that. And your body is evil are two different things. But it's part of the well, same Christian rhetoric. We don't even have to rhetoric. go that far. Because I dated this girl once who had a kid. And she would yell at her kid anytime she caught him. Playing with his rear uh, you know, fingers and stuff. I, I don't want to be graphic, but the kid would, and she she would yell at him like, "No, you can't do that." That's gross. I was like, "The only thing you need to tell this kid is to wash his hands when he's done." Also, that, there might be a medical ex- thing, so let's not yell at him if there might be. It wasn't a medical thing. Okay. It, it was. Okay. I, okay. I it was am very all clearly for, a sexual thing. Okay. Right? I am all for like instructing them that this is not what you do in public. Right, that but is it wasn't. It wasn't know. even that. Yeah. It was this kid was was exploring his body, and she was damaging him. I mean, spe- speaking of damaging kids, like all she had to do was tell him not wash his hands. But she came at it from that Christian point of view. No, no, yeah. no. That she never said that's evil, that's sinful, that's the devil's stuff. But she had but that background, implied, yeah. and she was like, "No, you're not allowed to do that. That's bad. That's." whatever and it's like that's damaging mm-hmm. but i agree this, this, i agree that the, the this the, five-year-old or whatever his age was exploring himself in that way is not damaging him at all well i agree that the the background of your body is inherently evil is a very serious problem and yeah you don't even have to say it because it's the foundation of what you do say or in many cases scream and that is definitely damaging i agree completely on that and I think that there is a middle ground in between these where you are neither yelling at the kid about how sinful and evil and dirty their body is, as if yelling was a real, like, effective way to right. help kids anyway. Right. And at the same time, you're not exposing them to a, a potentially damaging experience. Let's not use the word exposing here because I'm not saying 
that one should expose to protect it. them from a potentially no, 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 no. damaging experience. Those are two experience. very different things. It's it's a very different thing for me to expose a kid to pornography and to not protect them from pornography. Exposing them to pornography is like exposing that's presenting it to them in a, in some manner. Yeah, failing to prevent it is just not forbidding them from seeing it. I mean, I, I don't know how else to explain it. These are two fundamentally different things. Exposing someone to something is very different from not preventing them from seeing it. Yeah. Fair enough. But still, I, I think there's a, a middle ground where you are still protecting them, but you're not doing the damage yourself. And I think we can all agree on that, though, right? And I, I mean, because I'm just, just not sure it's necessary to protect them. And I get them. that there's going to be differences of opinion of right. like, okay, well, I think that you playing doctor with Susie will be a helpful experience to you. And okay, well, that's your parenting style. And since you are the trustee of this child, now people think they own their kids and that's horrible. It but is. But no, kids own themselves. You are being trusted with them. Now- I can see that there are some people that would think that, that, uh, that that's a, a helpful experience, and that's a reasonable perspective that I completely disagree with. The whole reason that we got into this, though, is, and I want to bring it back real quickly, is to the Libertarian Party and the Conservatarians here in New Hampshire mm-hmm. and in the Conservative Libertarian Party. What I, I don't really care what they think about drag queens or drag shows or whether or not they're sexualized. I really don't care. Uh, my, my perspective on this is much simpler you guys need to shut up. The last thing we, the libertarians in general, the libertarian party, free staters, they have a huge problem with it being 99.9% just straight cis white dudes. Uh, they they seem to like that. Yes. Because it seems like they're trying to attract other conservative minded people. Yes. Who are typically white men. And I, I hate to inform them of this, but if they want the ideology to grow and to be successful, they need diversity so i don't care libertarian party of new I hampshire i think that's just a function of time really not like, no not if they're out there year, not if they're out there now, doing everything they can to alienate lgbtq people okay 20 years it's not from a function now, of time because the it, democratic when, uh the, 20 years from now the democrats will be the libertarians and the republicans will be the authoritarians because that's how it always goes and at that point we will have no problem with having too many straight white cis men no, I, I disagree entirely because I can't get any of my LGBTQ friends to even tolerate the ideology yeah, of the Libertarian Party. Because they're on Team Democrat. No, it's because the Libertarian Democrat Party is... is on freaking Twitter posting about how evil drag shows are. Mm-hmm. They're doing everything they can to alienate LGBTQ people. How and the 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 straight cis white dudes in the Libertarian Party don't understand why this is a problem. And they have said other problematic things on Twitter, and that's why I don't like political parties, and I don't care if it's Libertarian, Republican, or Democrat. Yeah. Well, and one I, of the issues with the the whole drag show thing is that where does it end? Because okay, we uh, the the left had a huge victory in uh, in legalizing gay marriage. Now, did they stop there? No, they pressed it further. Like they've pressed it As so they should. Fa- no, like at some point Doesn't you made the change you need to make. Like you so, don't need to reach the point where five year olds are getting their tits cut off. But That's not where you need to go olds, with this. Five-year-olds don't have breasts, first of all, and almost no one is giving uh, gender reassign- sexual reassignment surgery to anyone who's gone through puberty. In fact, the medical consensus is that you can't 
So two people haven't gone through puberty and you want them to go through puberty. Otherwise, there's there's literally not enough material there to work with to do the sexual reassignment surgery. So the medical advice is certainly to wait until people are 18. So that that's just that's just Fox News talking points that have been blown out of proportion. That's and, medical advice right now. But that's yeah. the thing. The entire medical establishment is very clearly motivated by politics. So yeah, politics no, are going to change. The if, medical if, industry if the is, vaccine is didn't prove by this by to you, I don't know what will. Okay, that's different from the transgenderism thing. It really isn't. Okay, well, I I disagree. It is still the medical establishment jumping when when the political machine says to jump. So right now, sure, they're being reasonable and saying, don't do this until you have finished your puberty. Well... But that's not likely to stay where it is. But of course the medical establishment is going to jump when bureaucrats say to jump because they're governed by the CDC. You know, yeah, they're, they kind of they're licensed the with the state. It's it's one in the same. Right. They're just other bureaucrats. That's exactly it. So you as know? it becomes politically expedient to do this or to do that, they're still not going to protect us. They're not. I don't going look to them to protect anyone, though. Well, and then I, why and are you I, talking about how they are currently advising that you wait until 18 for transition? Because you're the one who brought it up. You're the one who said, you know, they shouldn't be out there cutting breasts off of five-year-olds. You literally brought it up. And I pointed out to you rightly that they're literally not. Right. And my point so is So you can't that ask is... me why I brought it up when I brought it up to dispute what you said. And then you continued arguing with me instead of acknowledging that I proved what you said wrong. We are headed in that direction, <laughs> and there is nothing apparent to stop us from getting to that point. What direction are we heading toward when I told you that the medical is... sex transition. The, the medical establishment literally says not to do that. Today. And, I, and you're Okay, well, they could say anything tomorrow. You're, you're certainly correct. But all of the medical establishment is saying that you can't do this to people who haven't gone through puberty. It's unadvised to do this to people who haven't gone through puberty. And at this point... You're, you're tilting at windmills. You know what? This just goes back to parenting. And we need to be educating our children. We need to be not traumatizing them, not abusing them. We need to be helping them develop themselves emotionally and psychologically and rationally so they can be able to make these decisions for themselves. Because I think with what you're worried about with the transition of children, it is a root cause of public schooling and bad parenting. Mm -hmm. Because what's happening and what I've seen some of is when kids go to public school, they do what's popular, they do what's cool. I've seen a lot of kids become non-binary, trans, or even, you know, whatever, because that's what their friends are doing and they might not actually be that way. Some of them definitely genuinely are but i think we need to be able to raise our children to know the difference and to be able to explore their own personality their own sexuality and their own identity without being so easily not manipulated but you know affected by what others are doing and i think it's almost impossible to do that when your kids are in public school and when you're not raising them when the teachers are raising them when they're being more affected by their classmates than they are their own family And I do think that's a part of what freaks these parents out so much is they don't trust themselves to go against the grain enough to say, no, drag shows are not for my kids. They're like, well, eventually it'll be so normalized that I will feel social pressure and I am weak, so I will fall for it. Those people shouldn't have kids then. And if drag shows make you uncomfortable and you don't want your kids to see them, then don't, you know, like, I don't think that's most people, you know, most people don't have the strength to go against the grain for what they believe. Well, 
Anyways, I, guess I, I got to agree with Nikki on this one. They just shouldn't. If you're not willing to stand up for what you believe, well, there goes you, the spacings. Yeah, you shouldn't raise kids. Well, there it goes. Yeah. Well, if only. the government will be happy to raise them for you. Well, they shouldn't have them in the first place, uh, I would argue. We're out of time for the night, though. You can continue arguing with us in the meantime over on our chat server at chat.freetalklive.com. You can hang out with us there. Again, that's chat.freetalklive.com. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com.